Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody. It is a Monday afternoon. That means an all-new Southern Sports Center. From Rich Yelp alongside Eugene Benton. Eugene back at the studio. I am actually in the car headed to Monday night football in the Low Country high school style. That is right. The game of the week, we caught it last week. Mother Nature and the good Lord above said, wait a minute. I got something for you guys. I'll wait and play that game on Monday night. We'll let everybody else play Friday and Saturday, and that's just exactly what happened. But the cool part about all of that is that all of the action literally started on Thursday night. So we had Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and here we go on Monday having high school football. It feels a lot like college football in the opening weekend on a Labor Day kind of festivity. And as we uh, will be getting you live updates up here in Monk's Corner as Goose Creek comes up here to play that of uh, the Berkeley Stags for region play week one. A lot on the line, and I mean a lot on the line when it comes down to, of course, uh, how this thing could play out towards the end of the year. Remember, seven games for a lot of teams, most teams, some of those, four of those, most, I'd say, region play. The other three, non-region play. Well, this year it's a little different where the lineup is first two are in, everybody else is out. So the region means the most. There's no doubt about that. But don't think for one minute some of the games that were played around the state of South Carolina didn't have a little bit of rivalry to it. As you saw Stratford and Somerville, that one ended at 1 o'clock on Friday night. It was a midnight math service, if you will, Friday night lifestyle, and a great job by both teams. But it was Stratford who came out with the win, and the first time they beat the Green Wave in almost, I think, five years. Coach Denny's been on the show multiple times, loving on us, talking to us, and he took his guys into the Ville and got a big dub heading into region play for Somerville. Well, they got a lot of highlights as well. A lot of great guys doing great things. They're going to have a great season. But it just was a tough night. They'll rebound. They'll go now and uh, head into that new North Charleston Stadium where they'll see the likes of Stahl, who, oh, were upset in a big fashion by West Ashley as they brought in a brand-new coach. He brought in a new style, and he put up a lot of points on Friday, excuse me, Saturday, and then they finished out their game. I was over there 
at Ashley Ridge, where we got there early on Friday, and it was the longest pregame of all pregames. We started at 7 o'clock. We didn't start playing football until the next day at 5.30. But it was all that you could ask for. The crowd was in check. The atmosphere was incredible, but it was all for it all night long. The Fort put up 41 points to 20 and welcomed Shane Fiddler into the low country with a very, I would say, pretty good showing for Ashley Ridge for all they've gone through with COVID-19. Again, Dorchester County, too, one of the last districts to get on the field. And they lost one of their own young men, Mr. Amari President, who was called home way too early, only weeks before kickoff. And our thoughts and prayers are still with those guys. As I know, Coach Skip Parker for the Fort, well, they also lost one of their guys, but he was a coach, a mentor, a father figure, as they also played with heavy hearts. But there were a lot of hearts that were heavy. I know Wando uh, played with their remembering the athletic director over there, Coach Hayes, and all the things that he has meant to not only Wando and that side of the Cooper River, but also for all of high school sports as they now have some uh, – traditions that they'll be starting and continuing over there, but they won big against Cane Bay. Now, Cane Bay is in that region, so they go up in style. I know Oceanside started up over at Bishop England. They also had a coach that they had to say goodbye to way too early, but they played with heavy hearts, and they started playing on Friday. Mother Nature said, hold a second, we'll finish this one on Saturday night. They did that, and boy, did they do that. They went to Bishop England, picked up a nice win, learned a lot, got some good game field. And uh, I know Cross won big over North Charleston, if I'm not mistaken. There were some other big games that happened. No, excuse me, check that. Cross, uh, I'm not sure who they played, Eugene. Maybe you look into that. But it was actually uh, Hanahan that beat North Charleston and uh, broke in that new stadium. Coach uh, Art did a great job getting those guys, the Hawks, ready to play, and they did a good job uh, on their side. Now, of course, I know we've got Brandon Bisco Bing. He's going to join us here to start off the show. Uh, he is, of course, the guy that does the voice on Friday nights for the – of course, that is the – and when you look at what they are able to do down there in Myrtle Beach, and i got to be honest with you, the Panthers are a great team. They've got some new guys and some new faces and places. But, Brandon, I'm going to bring you in real quick because we don't have you long. We're going to say uh, welcome to the show as you do your show on Friday morning, Sports Unlimited. We're glad to have you in here for a few minutes to update us on what happened on the Grand Strand. Yeah, lots of fun action on the Grand Strand this weekend or over on Friday and, and on Saturday. And it's still continuing tonight. Green C. Floyd plays Lake City or Lakeview, excuse me, uh tonight. So right. that's gonna be a fun one as well. Uh but yeah, Carolina Forest just utterly dominated South Florence. Myrtle Beach dominated Darlington. Conway got a pretty good win over St. James. Uh, Sockestee lost to Sumter, but they looked decent, you know, uh, in the loss. And the big one, the big one this weekend, or, or on Friday night, was North Myrtle Beach going out to Hartsville and beating the Red Foxes. Well, I tell you what, you don't hear that often. So let's back up a little bit. Uh, let's talk about Socrates real quick. My alumni, I got to give those cats some love. I know Coach Hamps over there, the new head coach, is taking over the program. They beat, you know, I would say a lot of those who said they wouldn't do much. And, and, and mm-hmm. what I mean by that is they were able to take a lot of positive out of that game. They come in, that being Sumter, ranked top five in the state in 5A football. So with that, 
you know, you get a lot of positive traction, a lot of positive things that, that Coach Hamp was able to take out of that and, and really kind of take it into this upcoming week. So with those, I guess, um, conversations, who, who's on the board this week? I believe Conway taking on Carolina Force. You'll be at that game. That'll be our game of the week on the Grand Strand as you'll be covering it, calling it, being the voice, the play-by-play guy on it. But other than the Conway-Carolina Forest games, before we talk about that one, who else is on the Grand Strand that's going to be doing some action this weekend? Um, I'm trying to – I know uh, St. Saint, Saint James and Sockesty, I believe, are playing this weekend. Uh I I know North Myrtle Beach played South Florence, so that should be an interesting one. South Florence can rebound in their first game uh, in Region 6-4A. I'm I'm drawing a blank on some of the other games. I know uh, Myrtle Beach plays Georgetown in non-region play. That will be an interesting be. one, uh, 4A versus 3A. Won't be one for long, unfortunately. I don't, I don't think it's going to be interesting for long. I think Myrtle Beach is in no. a different universe, man. Yeah. No disrespect oh, yeah. to Georgetown and their new athletic director, their, their new head coach over there, Jimmy Noonan. We know him well. Uh, he's going to have everything ready to go. They got ballers in Georgetown. They just got to get them in position so that they can ball, right? I mean, that's kind of the thing. But I'm going to be honest, man. Myrtle Beach could probably go in to a lot of these 5A schools and do some damage across the board. Now, you mentioned Summer, excuse me, Stockastee and St. James. That's going to be a rivalry game. You can head, of course, uh, within miles of each other. It is the school that kind of came in late and uh, taken away some players from Stockastee back in the day. So, of course, there's some action, you know, that's going to be talked about, Matt. But, of course, I think, again, and Eugene, I want you to chime in because I'm going to get into this gate here and get us in a good position so we can kind of give you some updates throughout tonight. But, uh, you know, uh, as I hand it over to you, Eugene, I'll go back to you, Brandon, and say, tell me a little bit about this Conway-Carolina Forest, because exactly what St. James is to Sackasty, Carolina Forest is kind of a, is definitely, I would say, that to uh, a team like Conway. Oh, absolutely. That is the big rivalry uh, between those two teams. That is the rivalry matchup is between Carolina Forest and Conway. And I would say it's probably the biggest rivalry you know, you were talking about St. James versus Sockesty, but both of those two teams have kind of been in rebuilding patterns for the past couple of years. So they're not quite to the level of a Conway or especially Carolina Forest. So Carolina Forest versus Conway is the rivalry game in Region 6-5A. So this is going to be a big matchup to really see both if Conway is back on the rise and if they're going to get some things done this season and also if Carolina Forest is for real after putting a beating on South Florence this weekend uh I'm going to I'm going to say it right now this is the matchup that will determine who between the two of them make it into the playoffs this season this Eugene uh going back to that so uh maybe you know this so that region would that be one or two teams getting in. Some some regions will have two teams getting in. Uh, and, and if you think it's just uh, – if it's two teams and you're thinking one or the other, who's the other team in that region that you're uh, thinking can make a push? I'm 99% sure that it is a two-team region. And the other team that, you know, and, and Richie and I were talking about just a little while ago, the team to beat, at least according to the polls and according to everyone, 
it's still, you know, they're, they've had some bumps and bruises in, in the scrimmages. Um, but the team to beat in Region 6, 5A, is Sumter. So okay, they're more than likely, you know, barring okay. barring something yeah. happening crazy, you know, with Carolina Forest maybe beating them in a couple of weeks or something like that, Sumter more than likely will be the number one seed coming out of Region 6. And then yeah. I think more than likely Carolina Force will be the two seed. Uh, but this weekend, this game on Friday is going to be the matchup pretty much to determine if that is the case. And uh, so I, I totally agree with you. I forgot that Sumter was put back in. It seems like every couple of years when they reshuffle, Sumter <laughs> goes in, Sumter goes out. But uh, I totally agree with that, man. I mean, this is a roster. It's got a quarterback that – that's looking good. It's uh, going to be playing ball on Saturdays at the next level. You know, you got a defensive end on that team that's going to be with my beloved Gators uh, next You've year. You've got a couple of fly. defensive ends that are yeah. getting D1 looks. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and it's funny because uh, Justin uh, Bone had tweeted out that he wished he was already there after watching Florida win uh, so well <laughs> on Saturday. But, uh, and, you know, what, what Florida needs is some help in the secondary. But um, mm-hmm. and I really agree. So I agree with you on the Sumter pick as well. Um, they're just I, I think they're really talented. Now I know you know the team that Richie's uh, doing the play by play with on Fridays with four scrimmage. Those guys did really well. So it's kind of a you know you had two powerhouses I think battling out there and you know it's a scrimmage. So nobody's going to share everything. People don't want to risk injury. So it's kind of hard to say what, you know what we gleaned from that battle. Um, one of so, so looking at the 4A schools, you know, you got so much talent in your 4A there, uh, you know, with North Myrtle Beach and, and Myrtle Beach High School. Those guys have – everybody's got a few D1 guys or at least D1 guys or guys with D1 offers on those teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you see this week? I, I know the North Myrtle Beach guys were kind of hyped up going into game one. I think they had a lot to prove uh, going into that game. You know, I'm looking around at some of the Twitter traffic and they're uh, – back in the weight room and trying to get after it even harder. But uh, didn't see really much, you know, as far as social media follow-up from uh, Myrtle Beach High School. So uh, uh, kind of give us the pulse of what's going on there in the Grand Strand with the forays. Well, the reasoning for why you didn't really get much pulse from Myrtle Beach is, for one, they were playing Darlington, who is more than likely going to be the, the cellar dweller in Region 6 4A. And then on top of the, that, the fact that it was an utter blowout on on Myrtle Beach's part. They won 69 to nothing. So, you know, they're not exactly looking at it as, oh, this is a big-time you know, big win. Whereas for North Myrtle, they were playing up against Hartsville, who was ranked higher than them going into this game in all the polls. So the fact that they were not only able to beat Hartsville, but beat them pretty handily. They beat them by 19 points. So that is the reason why North Myrtle Beach was getting a lot more attention and, and focused a lot more uh, this, you know, at following their game this weekend uh, beyond, in, over Myrtle Beach because, you know, it was a bigger game. It was a bigger win. Now, now, some of the other schools in, in your area, you got 
a couple more 5A schools. We know about Stockton, the school that Richie played with, and, and St. James. Uh, I still, having been up to St. James last year with the JV squad, we actually took a JV squad from a 2A school and beat those guys pretty good. Um, you know, I just it makes me wonder with the population base, uh, are those two schools actually 5A type schools? I mean, does St. James really have a chance playing? You know, a Conway playing a Sumter. You know, and and I know some Sockety has a history, but I just don't see you know the population. Last time I looked, uh, there were some 4A schools that seem to have bigger student populations. Is that a push that they're trying? They're they're, they're actively seeking to stay in 5A as opposed to maybe think, playing 4A with Myrtle Beach and lessening some of the travel. I I think that is the case. I think they are trying to stay in 4A or stay in 5A because outside of Sumter, and there were rumors about this going into the realignment. And, you know, I was talking to a couple of ADs around the area, think, you know, and there were some, there were some rumblings of trying to move some pieces, but nothing officially ever happened. But the thing that, a lot of people and a lot of writers around here have been saying that they want to see is instead of Sumter joining 5A and losing, you know, the two Florence schools, they would have lost the two Florence schools, but instead added Myrtle and North Myrtle and made this basically a super beach league. Uh, And that would have been a lot of fun to see. Now, I think that's the main reason why uh, Takasi and St. James are so focused on staying in 5A is because of the travel. Because outside of or outside of Sumter, in terms of region play, all of the schools in Region 6 5A are right here on the Grand Strand. So you don't have to worry about travel nearly as much. Yes, it's a good probably half-hour drive or so from, you know, Carolina Forest or from Conway down to St. James. But it's not nearly to the level of some of the other regions. And, you know, we we talk about it all the time when it comes to different regions. I mean, uh, you could talk about Region 4 or Region 6 4A as well. There are just certain regions because of geography, and this happens in college and pro as well, that you just kind of get unlucky by geography. You get unlucky that, yeah, you're one of the bigger schools on the Grand Strand, and thus you're in 5A, but you're in that Region 6 that is just utterly dominant. And you have so many schools that are good, so you're kind of the odd man out, and that's what Socrates and St. James are. Same with in 4A, You've got Darlington and, you know, previously Marlboro County. They're now down in 3A. Uh, but you've got Darlington, uh, Wilson, while you would expect them to be kind of the odd man out, they're actually, they actually play very well. So you've got certain teams. You're going to have this everywhere when it comes to sports. You're going to have that one school or that one team that is in the – conference or in the region or in the division just simply because of geography and they just can't compete but if they were put in another region if they were put in another conference 
if they were located in another part of the state or another part of the country, they could play very well. And that's basically where Sokocee and St. James are is they're competent programs. I mean, we saw with Sokocee this week when they went up to play Sumter, they stayed with them for the majority of the game. But they're just playing in a region that they have certain uh, opponents that are just head and shoulders above them. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think one of the things with Sokocee that we've seen in the past at least with the past three or four years, you see guys that kind of grew up and are kind of zoned in that area, play for kind of the, the feeder schools. But when, you know, it's mm-hmm. time to play high school ball, you know, they get in the car. They go to Myrtle Beach play, or they go to Carolina right. Forest. Which, which is odd that they go down from a 5A to 4A. But, you know, Mickey's got some state titles and some state title appearances. And, you know, every other year, you know, uh, they got three or four guys, sometimes even more, uh, going to, you know, with big-time college offers. And uh, not well, only just, you know, playing on Saturday, but their Power 5 offers, current, like the current yeah. roster, you know, you got two wide receivers, one with Clemson and one with UNC. So it's kind of yeah. hard to keep those guys home until you build that by brick and then entice them to stay home. Well, the other thing about that, too, is facilities. And Richie and I were talking about this last week, that Myrtle Beach – has head and shoulders above anyone else, the best stadium on the Grand Strand. You know, you go over to Doug Shaw Stadium, and, you know, that place is huge. You know, maybe, you know, it's probably not, you know, it's obviously not Division One caliber, but, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of, you know, even some FCS schools that ha- that don't have as good of a stadium as Myrtle Beach High School does. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's a big factor. Were, yeah. I've been in a couple of Division twos that were in the national semifinal that didn't have a stadium that good, much less after yeah, exactly. Um So, and, and that's a big part of it, you know, and, that, and the, the, the coaches at those schools will even admit it, that, you know, they go down to recruit the state of Texas or some schools in Georgia, even South Carolina, you know, and you got a guy that's playing on an AstroTurf field in the stadium that seats 15,000 with a nice press box, and you're trying to get them to come to your side, your field, where you have, you know, bleachers on one side of the field only, you know, it's kind of tough, you know, and the weight rooms yeah. are smaller because, uh, you know, the, that's the only thing I haven't seen. I have been on the field there. I've been on the field at North Myrtle Beach. I've been on the field at Sagasty, St. James, uh, either as a coach or as a player parent. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's light and day, you know, they obviously have the facilities, uh, up until recently, heck, they were one of the few teams in the state that had AstroTurf. Now it's kind of a, everybody's kind of getting into, especially if you saw what happened in Beaufort County this off season, mm-hmm. uh, Wando has a nice facility. There's a new one just opened up in uh, North Charleston that Richie was talking about. My good buddy of mine at 1A Cross, uh, he came in and beat military magnet 44 to nothing, opening that uh, stadium up. So, uh, you know, we get the good fortune of playing um, uh, a couple guys that I coach and train. Uh, we'll be playing there Thursday night, so I can't wait to get in those stands and watch those guys. But, you know, and I, it, it is the thing. And, you know, colleges, because colleges do it. You know, you always see about the, the recruiting uh, wars in the SEC has so much tied to who has the new state-of-the-art facility, who has the state-of-the-art locker room, who has an indoor track, who has an indoor practice place. You know, and that's just, it's just – it's a business, you know, and then high school athletics can be a business too. The business is education with football on the side, so we like to think. But, you know, there's also – when people say that, it also convince them that 
students with a 1500 SAT score, 1600 SAT score that can't get into certain colleges, but uh, a guy like, uh, I'll just throw out an athlete, I don't know what his ACT score, but, you know, somebody like Clowney, uh, all he needs to do is have a 2.8 GPA and a 21 ACT, and he's getting a full ride. So you can tell mm-hmm. me it's about academics all you want, but that tells me a lot more than, uh, you know, when that guy's not only his health insurance, but his meals and tutoring to cover, and a guy with a 1,600 doesn't get the same uh, kind of thing. But, you know, it is what it is. But I definitely agree with you on the facility part, and I just think that the other schools need to either tap into the county money and say it's not fair and get some investment, although I know – the, the Myrtle Beach is also tied into the city of Myrtle Beach, but yeah, Wait, yeah, that's the uh, thing think, too is that that field is field. funded by the city. They have the logo right. and everything on the field. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what the Charleston County's decided to do with the stadiums. The new CCSD stadium has the same thing. Um, you know, it's a, it's a shared use facility. You know, and, and for those guys up there, I wanted to say, you know, just be glad you have your own home field because down here in Charleston County, um, a law was put into place, a local ordinance or law a few years ago, that there are no brand-new single-use facilities. So if you can build mm-hmm. a thirty uh, $40 million high school, you still have to share your stadium. There's no new stadiums being built, mm-hmm. football stadiums for single-use only. So, you know, just be grateful you have your own home field that you can put your banners up on and not have to take them down when the game's over. Well, but, I mean, that does – I mean, I'm sure that probably kind of – I mean, it probably doesn't exactly help in terms of getting some of the uh, middle school guys to come to your school because no matter where you're going, you're going to that same stadium. But that's the thing. I don't know how it is down there. But up here, there's – you know, if you go further out where it's less densely populated and, and you have – just one town is one high school, uh, you know, you've got, you, you don't have a choice. Whereas here, it seems like pretty much the entire Grand Strand, you can choose where you want to go. Obviously, there's some limitation to an extent. Even, you know, if you live on the southern side of North Myrtle Beach, you still have a choice to go to Myrtle. And and same when it comes to, you know, out in Carolina Forest, even if you go a little ways into Conway, I'm sure if you wanted to, you could choose to go to Myrtle, uh, you know, and go, going down into Sockasty and, and Myrtle's Inlet. You know, everyone over, everyone's territory overlaps upon each other. So there is that battleground of, you know, these coaches going to these middle school games and trying to convince the kids, hey, come here, come here. And that's a big part of it. I think, you know, and that's, you know, high school coaches aren't allowed to to go out and actively recruit players to come to their school. However, you know, you can have a presence at the Little League. You can show up and shake hands and and wear your gear and, you know, just kind of meet people. But, you know, winning – players want to win. You know, you, you, you go to practice beginning in the spring, all summer long, and you have, you know, unlike this year, in a normal year, you have 10 regular season games. You want to win all 10. You know, if you go to a team that doesn't look like it has a good chance of winning, you kind of, you don't have that same as excitement maybe. I mean, some players do, and and God love them for for, for doing that, but everybody wants to win. Same thing in college with recruiting. That's why Alabama doesn't have a real hard problem getting all these five-star kids to show up because, you know, these kids want to win. But, um, 
So tell me real quick, uh, let, let's talk about, we got a few minutes left, uh, about the, your game Friday night. Uh, give me some surprises, some things that you think, uh, you know, you want to see worked on and done this weekend uh, or this week to get ready for Friday night, things that may need to be shored up on. Uh, you know, I mean, the the game this week was a very easy win for uh, Carolina Force. So it's not really – there, there isn't really a ton to that they that at least that I saw that they really need to work on. The one thing that I will say, especially once they get into um, more, you know, into the bigger games like Conway. Conway is going to be a bigger game, and then obviously the next week against Sumter. The one thing that offensively I want to see, even though he does a great job and and the team as a whole does a great job. They need to be a little bit more balanced. Uh, you know, uh, Kyle Watkins, while he can throw the ball, he's much more he, – he's moving from a wide receiver over to quarterback. He's much more of a running type of quarterback. And they were running a lot more, you know, read options, triple options, stuff like that. And it was very much of he sat in the pocket for – a second, second and a half, and if there wasn't anything there, he'd automatically gun for it. And against better defenses and against better offensive lines, or against better defensive lines, he's not necessarily going to be able to break these huge runs that he was able to do against South Florence. So that's one thing that I want to see uh, them do a little more is get a little bit more of a balanced attack Obviously, the offensive line is strong enough that they can run the ball consistently and have it be successful. But, you know, any strong offensive team wants to have that balance. Sounds like maybe they need to put in some more, uh, maybe some quicker uh, developing pass plays for him, especially, like you said, when he gets that push up front. Um, So now, uh, besides, uh, you know, the next two games, uh, what was the overall feeling you got for the team, you know, starting out with that whole region play as opposed to, you know, uh, uh, not necessarily a scrub well, yeah, team. but didn't start um, in region play. We actually had the, the first game was a non-region game for the first time in over a decade uh, against South Florence, and South Florence has moved down to uh, 4A. So it was kind of – it was a situation, especially considering South Florence, is one of the lower end teams in in region six and and in four a uh it was much more like what you would have in a normal season of that kind of you know cupcake game to get you kind of situated to the season and get you ready for region play. I got you, man. Well, we're up against the break uh we got Kevin coming in from uh live five news. Appreciate your time, buddy, and uh, I'll let you get out there to the practice fields and uh, scout out and get prepared for Friday. Yep, sounds good. And, uh, yeah, if if you guys want to hear all of my thoughts on everything uh, before the games on Friday night, be sure to tune in to Sports Unlimited Friday morning, 7 to 10, and call in. Let's talk some high school football. All right, buddy. Take take care, man. Yep, see ya. All right, well, come – Coming up next, we got Kevin Billadu from Live 5 News in about 30 seconds.
All right, we're back now with uh, Kevin Belladue with Live 5. How's it going, Kevin? Good, man. How you guys doing? Oh, man, doing sweet. Uh, got a little uh, football action in the country on this Monday night. Followed up with some NFL action tonight. Uh, uh, let's get it started, buddy. Uh, you know, we talked to you on Wednesday. I was driving back from Charlotte with, uh, I mean, actually last Monday, driving back from Charlotte. Uh, put you on the spot and asked you, uh, you know, for some picks this week, you said you hoped that there weren't any injuries. I know we did, unfortunately, have a couple injuries to some guys in the low country, especially that receiver that was just dominating over at Stratford. But, uh, you know, talk yeah. to us about what you saw on Friday night, I guess, and Saturday night, and um, what you're looking forward to tonight. Yeah, well, Friday night, all I saw was rain and lightning. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of what we saw all across the low country. Uh, you know, I was up at Ashley Ridge and then over at West Ashley and both of those games got moved over to Saturday. So, you know, that was unfortunate to see. I, you know, I know a lot of people were excited for the first big Friday night of football and just didn't work out that way. But, you know, it's good to see most of the teams have gotten their games in already. And, you know, one of the big ones in the low country tonight with, with Goose Creek over at Berkeley, that one's kicking off in just a couple of minutes. And, uh, you know, Saturday I got to see Oceanside. Uh, Joe Call, the former Somerville coach, making his debut at Oceanside against Bishop England. Uh, that was a really interesting game. You know, uh, they started again off in the second quarter with Oceanside already up 7 nothing. They were up 10 nothing at the half. And uh, Bishop England came out. They onside kicked to start off the second half. They recovered it. They go right down and score a touchdown. Then they get Oceanside on a three and out. Really had all the momentum. And it was interesting. Uh, B.E. got the ball back. And they had fourth, and I think it was about six, uh, on their own 45, something like that. And they just, they just had to go for a fake punt. And they didn't get it. Oceanside took over, and they come right back and score. So it was a really interesting decision by John Canney about, you know, throwing that, that fake punt in there because it really kind of gave Oceanside the momentum back, and they went on to go for a victory. And then we saw uh, Art Craig over at Hanahan in his debut with the Hawks. Their first game was over at the New District 4 Stadium against North Charleston. Really no problems for them. I believe the final there was 52 nothing. So they really dominated that game. The, the Hanahan running game, looked really impressive you know that's I'm sure the big thing Art brought brought over from Timberland was his running scheme and you know it it seemed early on like it fit like a glove for the Hawks so a really really impressive performance for them in week one yeah I agree I was actually sitting in the bleachers there at the uh, Oceanside game Uh, you know it started out like you said on that last play of the first quarter Uh, the sophomore running back kind of punched it in I got the extra point and then they called uh, then, you know, like you said, started off on, on uh, getting down the field. Uh, Spencer McKinley is the kid, one of the kids I trained and get that little field goal there to put him up 10 nothing. Seemed like Oceanside had some momentum and things going their way. Then all of a sudden, like you said, it, it seemed like they just kind of woke up. The, the, sorry about that. My dog is 
finally decided to go out <laughs> because it's not raining. I have the only Labrador that doesn't like rain, so he decided he needs to go out now that it's not raining. Um, and so he's outside now. And so, uh, you know, it was pretty interesting. You know, um, I'm sitting up there, and, and I know special teams, and I was a special teams coach under Coach Greer for, for a couple of years, and I sit there and I saw the – uh, kicker for um, Bishop England put the ball on the tee and he's standing over it for a while there and he's kind of getting it straight up and I'm sitting there just trying to scream loud enough for Coach Call to hear you know it's in long sides get the hand team get the hand team you know and then I saw the middle guy on the front line he was back five more yards I'm going screaming no it's going to be a surprise middle sure enough that guy executed yep. a heck of an onside kick that is something I teach guys over and over and over how to do. And it's really hard because they're used to just yeah. bombing it. Like you saw Spencer. I mean, he kicks it out the back of the end zone. And it's just so hard for them to be able to sell that so well and to pull up and just get it because, you know, you got to get that 10 yards. And I've had guys that can just get it, you know, they can roll it. And then, you know, sometimes it's seven yards. <laughs> and so it was just, it was a heck of a play, man. And, uh, you know, it, it was just an exciting game back and forth. They're just so young uh, on the ocean side. Yeah. You know, lost. 21 players from last year. It was like 98% of the offense, you know, the four defensive line. So it was kind of fun watching some of those guys. I remember when those guys uh, were on the JV squad, you know, and they've moved up. And then, um, you know, like I said, they come down score, and then it was, what, 17-7. to seven. They went for the fake punt, didn't get it. Oceanside that goes three and out. And then uh, one of the freshman kid I trained, uh, Franzone, was the punter. Nails that 51-yarder, puts it down at the one, and that turns into a defensive score. <laughs> Coach Offord uh, licked his chops on that one and, and did a great job there getting it up. So it was it was pretty exciting. I was excited to see my young guys. And as soon as that game's over, I'm on my phone trying to get the Hanahan score. You know, I don't know who covers <laughs> Hanahan for them, but there was nothing out there because I trained Blake as well, the, the kicker for Hanahan. I'm getting nothing. Right. You know, the night, the night before, I'm getting texts from um, – from the Haas family, he's the kicker at Stratford that I trained, you know, and they were so excited because his extra point put them up by one at halftime. It's uh, it, yep. I think it was close to 12.55, and I was packing up things from the field and getting things charged and batteries going and headsets for Saturday for Oceanside, and here comes the Haas. You know, they're texting me at 12.40 saying, oh, my God, it might come down to Haas kicking a field goal to win this. I think they were 14 to 14 in the fourth quarter. And I'm sitting there nervous right. as for me because I can't be there to watch. And uh, so, man, it, it's just, you know, it's exciting to have it back, football. And, you know, I have so many kids on all these teams that I've worked with. And you know, it's just exciting to have it back, man. The Hanahan kid, you know, when he sends me his text, I said, I, I just texted him, I said, yo, question mark. And he sends me back that he went seven for seven on extra points. He hit a field goal and had some touchbacks. And I said, started doing the math in my head and I said seven for seven plus a field goal you guys scored a lot <laughs> so, yeah there's a there's a freshman running back that apparently is uh the guy the dude so to speak he called him the, the hawk of the teams that some freshman uh running back that appears to be really talented and super fast so I don't know if you had a chance to look at him but apparently he's a I, he's a star in the making yeah we did see him a little bit you know he he was a young kid. He looked impressive. He he had at least one fumble that I can remember. So you know he's he's still working on ball security. They had another kid, a junior, who scored uh, three touchdowns while I was there. And I, you know I was only there for the first quarter and a half. So he looked really good. He had one of the runs of the year where you know he was he was flipped over 
right about at the 10-yard line, but somehow his knees didn't go down. He managed to stay on his feet, and he just kicked right back up and, and ran the last 10 yards in for a score. So, Hanahan, it's the first year for Art Craig, and I know he's trying to been, or kind of been trying to temper expectations a little bit, but they've got a team, and, you know, we know how important it is to get these region wins, especially early, and start off the year with a region victory. That's, that's a huge accomplishment for them. And then uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Sean Wright, he's the head coach at Cross. You know, he goes into the new stadium, kind of opens the door on the new stadium and puts up 44 points. Now, I get it, he's playing military magnet, but I thought – and I, it was really interesting to me that I was over on Daniel Island, and that game was called for Lightning. They're in North Charleston, and it looks like they got to play the whole game. So, I don't know what you saw about that or heard about that, but I thought it was pretty interesting that they were able to go in and play a game. Uh, it seems like on the radar they are a little bit closer to Lightning than – than, than Bishop than Daniel Island, but uh, you know it's kind of it's almost like y'all was looking around the map at all these schools and where the storms was, and it was kind of uh, hard to determine why some games were canceled and others weren't. I don't know if you had got a read on that or what. Yeah, no, that was really interesting to me too. Now that cross game, I know they did go into a, a delay for a while, and I think they picked it up right about I want to say it was about ten thirty when they restarted the game. So it, it you know it seemed like some. Some schools were fine with just calling it a night on, on Friday and then playing again Saturday or tonight as it is up at Berkeley. And some wanted to sit there and, and kind of wait things out. Uh, you know, I, I think the big thing is, you know, especially the, the one that caught our attention was the big one, the, the stratford Somerville game. You know, gosh, they didn't start that game until I think it was about 9.30, 9.40. And that game was going on until almost 1 in the morning. And I think the big thing for them was, you know, they just wanted to get this game in because that, you know, even though it was the first game, it was a non-region game for those two, and they both had region games coming up this week. So they wanted to be sure they didn't lose a day of preparation, you know, to get ready for, for the important region game. And they also didn't want to call that game off because, you know, it's been so long since the kids have had a chance to play an actual football game. They wanted to be sure that the kids had the experience, and especially that rivalry, that Stratford-Somerville rivalry. They wanted to be sure to get that in. So, uh, now give me some of the surprises. Uh, you know, I know we talked about, like you said, some Art Craig's team putting up a bunch of points, um, you know, and, and bringing that style to hand-to-hand. I know back when uh, – going back to Charlie Patterson, who, oddly enough, was the offensive coordinator when I was in high school. It used to be Waltzboro, now called in county. You know, those guys used to pass the ball. He's had receivers go on to Notre Dame and Virginia Tech and places like that. Now, you know, you bring Art Craig's style of running the ball and pound, pound, pound you know, with aggressive defense, is that kind of what it looked like to you? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, their defense was playing really well. North Charleston, you know, they, they have a young team and they were having some trouble putting drives together, but a lot of that was thanks to that hand-to-hand defense. And uh, as far as other surprises, you know, you mentioned Colleton County. They they went out and got a victory in in week one, and, and you know, that's a region win for them. So that was that was good to see Colleton County go and get a win. And, and West Ashley on Saturday, you know, they were playing a, a stall team that – you know, it doesn't always have the most, the most, you know, the most players in their in their lineup, but they they can always put up a fight. You know, Ashley Ridge saw that last year, but uh, West Ashley, their first game with Donnie Keeper as the head coach, they go out and score, I think, it was 50 plus points. So good to see them, you know, putting a win together, and and you know, fun to see these new head coaches make an impact in their first week here in the Low Country. Kind of that was one of the things we talked about before. Is kind of seeing these new guys, these new coaches, new staff coming in. How would they look on the first? Because we didn't have, you know, and and two, some schools did hit hit some scrimmages, but it seemed like the scrimmages that were held 
Uh, you know, you, you saw the Goose Creek scrimmage uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Hanahan played Stratford. Stratford played Hannon again. Uh, and, and they were in front of, you know, opponents that they would play, you know, down the road. So I don't think a lot of teams got to do a whole lot in the scrimmages. Certainly didn't get, you know, none of the coaches, you know, worth their salt, wanted to show a whole lot either. So I think this, for a lot of teams, this seemed to be, uh, you know, the first real good competition. And, oh, by the way, for, for the most part, it's region games. So guys didn't have the ability yeah. you know, of, of kind of scheduling that scrum to kind of get guys loosened, get them that first contact, you know. Um, I, overall, I don't think I, after what I saw in week one of college football, I don't think high school was quite as sloppy. It didn't seem to me as it did in the college ranks. And, and it may be just because of the different type of scheduling, maybe the, the opponent. But, you know, for the most part, you know, considering, you know, we're talking about high school football, it really didn't look as sloppy as I thought it would. I don't know. What, is that something you would agree with? Or, or what did you, you know, what's your impression? No, I, I agree with you 100%. It was it was definitely very, definitely not very sloppy, but I, I think a lot of the coaches were keeping things, uh, you know, pretty basic. You know, that's something actually I talked to Donnie Kiefer about uh, a couple weeks ago because, you know, with all the time they haven't had on the field, you know, especially for him over at West Ashley, and, you know, he's putting in an entire new offense, and, and he's trying to get to know guys that he has really no clue about. You know, there's, there's differences. You know, you think of uh, – uh, Rocco Adrian over at Wando, he's taken over as the interim head coach for this year, but he's been an assistant there for the last couple of seasons. So he knows the kids, he knows what they can do and that kind of thing. So coach Kiefer at West Ashley, he's been kind of behind the eight ball. And, and I asked him, you know, is that something that was going to have to happen? Keep things more basic, especially early on. And he said, absolutely. And he said, if that's not his desire, but it was just kind of out of necessity of what they would have to do to, to just be able to, to put plays in and, and, you know, have plays that they could gain some yards with and just keep things basic so that, you know, the kids weren't too overwhelmed with the playbook. And apparently for them, it worked early on getting a big win. Yeah, sometimes if you can get, you know, your basic plays and get them, you know, down, you know, executed to perfection, that's better than throwing, you know, the whole book at some other team and your guys, you know, being a little confused and getting some motion penalties or, or guys not set, that kind of thing. Uh, you mentioned the team, and to me that was one of the surprises. I still know some of the cats, you know, on on that team, and that's Wando, you know, with their big win over uh, Kane Bay. I don't know if it's a sign that Wando's, you know, good or Kane Bay's not as good good this year or what, but, um, you know, Wando lost a lot. They lost their head coach, lost their AD. They lost a, a lot of talent off that 2020 team. That Mount Pleasant 2020 squad that was split between Wando and Oceanside had a lot of players. A lot of really good players. If yeah. They've been on one team, and if they had been on one team, and maybe that's what uh, Coach Noonan was so upset about uh, for a while. You know, they, they could have done great things. You know, Oceanside goes on to go to the lower state championship. Wando goes, I think, eight and three, wins a, a game on the road in the playoffs, and uh, you know, so I think Wando with losing so much and coming back and putting up thirty-five to ten, I think it was. I think that was probably one of the most, uh, the biggest surprises to me in, in the Low Country. Yeah, and, and, you know, just think about they're, they're going to be losing even more kids, you know, not just to Oceanside, but now with the new Lucy Beckham High School in there. You know, that, that freshman class has been split up now, so that's, you know, a couple years down the line, that's more talent that they're going to lose, and that's something we've seen in the past. I remember uh, Stratford took a big hit a few years ago when they opened up uh, Kane Bay and Ashley Ridge. You know, they lost a bunch of kids to Kane Bay. I guess, gosh, that was probably 11 years ago now, but uh, – yeah, I remember, you know, Stratford was, was just rolling along, 
and then that Kane Bay school opens and they lose, you know, half of, of a class and then you know, most of the next class as well to, to that Kane Bay school. And that's something that can really have an effect on a program. And, you know, Stratford hasn't really gotten back up to the, the heights they were at before Kane Bay opened since then. You know, they've had a couple of good seasons here and there, but hasn't been the, the kind of sustained dominance they had in the, in the years before that school opened. So that's, that's something to keep an eye on with Wando in the coming years. Yeah, speaking of Lucy Beckham, I was actually tracking those kids. I trained uh, Joe Winger and Ben Scott. Uh, one's a kickoff uh, field goal guy, one's punter. And, you know, they were texting me score up uh, after the game. I got some update or during the game from parents. And after the game, you know, they go up to Phillip Simmons, uh, a first-year team. I know they haven't been able to practice as much because they're a CCSD team, uh, you know, with a new coach, new staff, new building, new everybody. And they go over to Phillip Simmons and put forty and win 42 to nothing. You know, they were telling me that they, you know, where they may not have all the size on the on the lines of scrimmage, they sure do have a lot of skill and speed. And it did show, I think they have one player that returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown, returned a punt for a touchdown. So, uh, you know, you're right. I think it, it kind of depletes the talent from one school and kind of divides it up among others. And it sounds like, you know, that uh, coaches got those guys, at least they jumped out big on, on the right foot, winning uh, 42 to nothing on the road. First ever game for um, Lucy Beckham. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's still fun to see. You know, I, I understand the the thoughts from Wando about how it, it kind of takes them, you know, it kind of takes away from them. But it is still fun to see these new programs pop up every now and then and, and see what they can do early on and, and the kind of impact they'll make throughout the low country. And Lucy Beckham's really done a good job of putting their athletic department together and, and getting guys from – from that Wando culture to come over and be coaches. You know, Jamal Smith, he was an assistant at Wando for a long time, and now he's going to be their head football coach. And uh, Andrew Glover, the former Wando player, is their head basketball coach. So they're, they're really trying to set that, you know, set up that athletic department in, in the spirit of Wando a little bit. And, and they've, they've had some success so far. One of the biggest disappointments is the coach that uh, we've grown to love here on the show. He comes on quite a bit, he's a big time contributor and, and new to the area, so we've always wanted to feel, you know, him to feel welcome and loved as Coach McCoy over in James Island. Uh, some of his assistant coaches were assistant coaches with me and hung out with them a little bit Saturday, and they just said, you know, it's, it's rough. You know, you got to take guys and new system and teach, teach, teach. And right now it seems like they're teaching. I think between they said between JV and varsity, they scored one offensive touchdown. Uh, between the two games and you know I mean he's he's got a, his work cut out for him and uh, you know I think part of the issue is they said uh, you know with um, uh, Coach Waters doing so well over there at First Baptist and some of the things he's able to do and offer some of those kids you know one of their first jobs is you know they got to get kids to, to quote unquote stay home you know it's a charter school sure. and all that and the academics are pretty tough but you know it's not something that kids can't handle so the the biggest lines I got out of the James Island coaches were you know hey we just got to stay within the program, you know, follow Coach McCoy's lead, and we just got to teach, teach, teach. Yeah, and, you know, I've been really impressed with Coach McCoy from the couple of times I've spoken with him since he took the job over at James Island in February. And, you know, that's a program they, they, they don't really have that sustained success that we've seen from some of the big schools around the low country over the past few years. You know, I've been here 16 years now, and, you know, they've, they've been a playoff team several times, but they've never really made a deep run. So, you know, that's – that's a job where you've got to go in and, and kind of reset the entire culture to get these kids used to winning and, and used to wanting to be a part of this program and, you know, not wanting to leave to go play for a skis of school, whether it's first Baptist or someone else. So 
it's it's going to be an uphill battle for him, but I I've got a lot of confidence in Coach McCoy. He's like I said, he's he's been extremely impressive in the few times I've talked to him. So I I I've got nothing but belief that he can do some good things with that program. Now, were you able to scout out or check out any of the uh, the smaller schools within the area? You know, some of the uh, the one A schools out on Johns Island or anything like that. Did you get any opinions or or views of any uh, other programs? You know, outside of the the, the quote-unquote big schools that we've already covered? Yeah, we, you know, it, it was a tough Friday night to kind of pay attention to what was going on because we were, we were losing so many games because of the rain. And, you know, I'm trying to, to restack a, a, a rundown to see what we had and what we didn't. But, you know, the, the team I keep talking about is St. John's Christian, and that's, that's Giza 1A. But, you know, they, they've made the move uh, from eight-man ball last year where they made the state championship game up back up to 11-man football this year. And they have they started 5-0. and they got a brand-new coach, too, in Brandon Klontz. He's done a phenomenal job. And, you know, we've been up there a couple times so far this season. And, you know, to start off 5-0, and moving back to 11-man, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. You know, you know, being an eight-man team and then having to try to figure out how it is to play 11-man ball. And, you know, I, you know, I know the kids know how to play it, but it's still – it's not an easy move to make. And they, they haven't missed a beat so far. So, that, they've been really impressive to me this far. Well, if Mother Nature uh, participates this Friday night, uh, give us a breakdown. Uh, where do you plan to post up, and where are some of the contests you're looking forward to uh, uh, seeing this Friday night? Well, our game of the week is going to be over at the Fort. Uh, the Patriots playing host to Goose Creek. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see because Goose Creek, like we said, they're playing tonight. they got a big game as they take on Berkeley. So, you know, they, they're only going to have – they're going to have a short week. They're only going to have three days to get ready for a really good Patriots team that – put up a lot of points at Ashley Ridge on Friday, on Saturday night. So that's, that's going to be our game of the week. I'm excited to see how that one works out tonight. And then, you know, as they turn, as they make the short turnaround to play the Patriots on Friday. So we're, we're going to have most of our eyes focused on that one. No doubt. And so, uh, so you got that one, you'll be there. I know there's some other uh, big time contests. It's kind of, it's kind of strange, you know, on the calendar this time of year, we're used to seeing some region matchups. We're just not used to seeing region matchups in game one and game two, uh, you know, and it seems like so many uh, teams have so much on the line week in and week out. You know, it's almost like a NCAA tournament feel where you feel like if you lose, you know, you're one and done or one and go home, so to speak. Um, you know, so, so this week, uh, is, is there another game that you're not covering that maybe you're like, hey, you know, if I wasn't covering this game, I'd be at that one. <laughs> Well, well, we'll definitely be as many as we can be. I don't have the schedule right in front of me right now, but uh, I know, you know, that, that game tonight for Berkeley, that's so important because, like you said, it's it's kind of a, a tournament feel. And, you know, you're definitely not out if you lose that game this week, but you're definitely behind the eight ball. So whoever whoever has to bounce back is, is you know, they're going to need to do it right away. And, and Berkeley's going to be over at Wando on Friday night. So, you know, like we talked about, Wando starting off 1-0. Berkeley, they're either going to be one and zero, or they're going to be behind that eight ball and needing a victory. So that's that's another big matchup to watch. I'll actually be at that game myself on Friday. So that's that's one I'm eager to see. All right. So now we talked about the teams and some of the teams in the Low Country. Uh, give us a rundown of some of the other sports action that uh, you're covering here for Channel Five. Yeah. Well, aside from high school football, we're we're just focused on college football as well right now. You know, we can't can't really do our, our normal coverage as we have done in years past because of the, the precautions all these schools are taking with the virus and, and that kind of thing. You know, we're not allowed to go to Columbia to see the Gamecocks play. 
uh, on the weeks that they're home. And, you know, same with Clemson. We can't shoot the games from there. So that's kind of taken our reason away from going to Death Valley. But we're still keeping track of these teams. And, you know, Clemson's got a big week coming up this week with uh, Virginia coming in. And I don't know if you noticed uh, Lavelle Davis, the wide receiver from Woodland, he had a huge college debut this past week for, for the Cavaliers as they took on Duke. He had four catches for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. He was named the ACC receiver of the week this past week. So that's a huge, huge matchup for Clemson up there in Death Valley as they take on Virginia. South Carolina, you know, the gauntlet just kind of keeps going for them. They go down to Florida this week after coming up short against Tennessee this past weekend, another top 25 matchup for the Gamecocks. So, you know, talk about being behind that eight ball, starting off 0-2 in the SEC. That is not something anyone wants to do, especially in this year where you're just taking on SEC team week after week. So Will Muschamp really needs to put something together against his former team uh, to try to get the Gamecocks back at one and one. Yeah, I agree. And Mount Pleasant resident, uh, Darius Rucker, you know, the syllables work, man. He can change Dolphins to Gamecocks because they sure do make you cry, no doubt. Uh, I saw that game. Uh, we had just gotten in from the uh, Oceanside game, and it was on. And, you know, I just <laughs> – you know, it, it's amazing what product will show up and how, how long the product's going to last. It seems like the product is used up by the end of the third quarter. Um, but, you know, I, I really just root for them. I got a kid that's almost almost like a son of mine, a former Oceanside offensive lineman, Dylan Seabuck. It was his first time to dress was, uh, for that game. And so he had parents at that game. And I was uh, with their son, who was actually playing for Oceanside, uh, the younger Seabucks, a, a sophomore on that team playing safety. So we were kind of in both places texting about games and whatnot. So it was pretty hectic. But, um, so, uh, you know, we talked about the teams in the low country. I know we talked about, like you mentioned, uh, uh, the running back for the junior running back from Hanahan. We talked about the receiver from Stratford, unfortunately, his injury. Uh, give me some other dude. We got a couple of minutes. Some of these uh, guys that just stuck out that, you know, some of them may have, you may have been looking for their name, their number when you came into the season, you know, to that game or somebody that surprised you, but give us some guys that stood out in the low country. Well, you know, over at Stratford, Jaden Alston is the the young running back for them. And, you know, in the, the way the conditions were on Friday, we really expected the running game to play a big part. And, and he definitely had his moments in that game against Somerville. He's, he's one of the guys I'm really interested to keep an eye on this year is, you know, the, he put up some big numbers as a freshman, you know, kind of, I don't want to say limited action, but they, they definitely kind of kept track of his carries a little bit. And I expect that this year they'll kind of let him loose a little bit more. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what else he can do this season. Well, man, we certainly appreciate your time. We enjoy watching your, your show. We'll definitely keep in touch. Um, you know, we have Wednesday night. Maybe we'll have a little bit of idea, a little bit better preview of uh, Friday night. We'll get the schedule down. Uh, we won't hold you to some picks. Maybe you can come on and give us some ideas for a couple of minutes on Wednesday night, depending on your schedule. Cause uh, you know, we're kind of like you, it's kind of, you know, we, we are in football season. We're very grateful for it. Uh, it's kind of the only, the only meal on the table, so to speak. So, uh, you know, if, if that's what we do, if that's what we're going to cover, we're going to cover every inch of it. So uh, man, take care, uh, stay blessed. And uh, we'll keep track of you and, and see where you're headed. I know you're headed to Fort Friday night, Rich, you'll be there as well. So you guys can catch up and uh, get some free game going. Sounds good, buddy. You guys have a good one. All right, man. Take care. That's Kevin Billadu with Live 5 News, folks. Uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Girl, the way you're moving, got me on a train. He's that got me up. They look just so damn. I'm just in the sky.
All right, we're back while we're waiting on Reggie to, uh, to join us. I'm gonna we'll call this the Eat Crow minutes because I have to go down my picks uh, and own up to those uh, horrible picks that I had this week. Uh, I was going through my board here, um, starting off with UAB in South Alabama. I'll, I'll get the points for that one. I did pick Alabama, Birmingham, uh, UTSA, San Antonio, and Middle Tennessee. I did pick uh, UTSA. Uh, Middle Tennessee State is uh, still 0-3. Haven't had a chance to win a game yet. They haven't had that feeling. I just didn't feel comfortable going with them. Uh, Alabama at Missouri, and I did pick Alabama. Uh, 38-19, I get it's on the road. I get it's the first game of the season and all that. And uh, But, you know, I see – being that it's on the road in the first day of the uh, first game of the season, to me, just doesn't excuse Alabama winning 38 to 19. I don't think Tennessee, Missouri is very good, and also too, I expected Alabama to play better. You know, Nick Saban is supposedly one of the best minds in the business. Uh, I just can't imagine he wouldn't have had them better prepared. Now, is this an Alabama team that maybe just isn't as good? You know, we'll we'll find out. I don't think that's the case. I just think it was. Uh, you know, possibly some some issues with it being on the road in the first game, but again, that to me just isn't a uh, typical Nick Saban thing. All right, so the first time I had to eat crow here is Kansas State beating Oklahoma. I really didn't see that happening. You know, Oklahoma jumps out twenty-one to seven at halftime. Uh, I just did not see uh, that defense. I knew it was suspect. I didn't think it was suspect enough to give up seventeen points in the fourth quarter uh, while scoring nothing on offense. You know, Spencer Rattler. One week looks like he might win the Heisman. Uh, the next week, not so much. So, you know, eating crow number one on the Oklahoma-Kansas State game. Georgia and Arkansas, I, I easily picked Georgia. Uh, I think I saw a stat that said Georgia's win was the highest margin of victory in the SEC of 27 points. So, uh, you know, Georgia, a lot of people that rank number four, that may change uh, due to the other teams coming back online and playing games. But I just think they're complete enough to uh, beat a team like Arkansas. Arkansas, to me, just doesn't, doesn't really intrigue me at this point. Uh, going down to my team, the Florida Gators on the road, <clears throat> playing Ole Miss, 51-35 to 35 is an exciting game if you like offense. I do like offense, except I, I really hope that Florida learns to play a little bit better defense. I know they were missing starting safety, who had a, a suspension related to a, a targeting call. Uh, but one, that was just one player in the secondary, and I thought overall uh, the secondary really needs to find its its mojo going going forward. Uh, I know a lot of teams going to look at that, and think they can pass. You know, maybe definitely if you look at the next game, you know that guy if he ever gets a chance to pass on you, he's going to. But I'm uh, really proud of my Gators, 51-35. Moving on to that game, I was just discussing. Now this one. Here's another big plate of uh, crow sandwich, crow meals, crow everything, and that's uh, LSU uh, losing to Mississippi State. The Pirate came in and threw for 600-something yards and uh, did a great job there. Auburn and Kentucky, no surprise. I didn't think you know, the score was a little bit tighter than I thought it would be. I wasn't didn't think Kentucky had that much firepower. They looked a little bit good on defense. Not sure about the offense there, or maybe Auburn's defense is that good. <clears throat> Rolling on to Texas A&M and Vanderbilt. I did pick Texas A&M beat Vanderbilt, and I thought Texas A&M would score a lot more than 17 points. I don't think Vanderbilt's defense is that good. I think it must be some issue with going on. Maybe, again, first game, who knows. But I did not expect Texas A&M to only win by five points against Vanderbilt. I thought they had a lot of firepower. I thought they had a lot of offense, speed, production. Uh, I really thought this was a year 
that they could sneak in. Uh, you know, I see uh, my, our good friend Reginald on the line. He, he's called in. Now, and I'm going to agree with him. I know he's listening. I'm going to agree with him now. After seeing Auburn and Alabama and some of these other teams, I really think the SEC is going to go through the state of Alabama. <clears throat> so, without further ado, I'm going to bring the big guy in. How's it going, Reggie? I'm good. I'm good. Finally got in. I, I'm, I might have to uh, go to my service provider. I'm not going to say who it is because, you know, we don't want to cause any problems. But I might have to form tackle my service provider and, and use them as a tackling example because we saw some bad tackling over the weekend. <laughs> well, you know, and I saw your post this morning on social media, you know, with all the who's and what's and what's going on. So um, we'll start with the, uh, the, the college ranks. Uh, you know, give us your surprise, your shock, good and bad and ugly, uh, what you saw on Saturday. I tell you, I, I, I thought, I, honestly, I thought Georgia would look better than that, um, particularly on offense. Uh, it, they looked, they were a disaster in the first half uh, offensively. They just couldn't figure out, you know, obviously at the quarterback position is the issue. They couldn't figure out who they were or what they wanted to be. And I think this is a football team that, you know, we've known them from an identity standpoint to be able to, if they ever get in a pinch or in a bind, they can turn around and hand the football off. Um, and I didn't feel like that was the identity completely of that team uh, in the first half on Saturday. Uh, another big surprise to me, obviously, uh, you know, uh, Mississippi State going in there and, 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 and beating LSU. Did not expect the Pirates to do that. I expected them to put up some points, but I figured that LSU with the athletes would find a way. Now, that being said, when you don't have your best defensive player, Stingley Jr., who can basically take an entire side of the field away from an offense, that changes some things. I guarantee you that was a factor in the 600-plus yards passing uh, of K.J. Costello, but he's also a veteran quarterback. Remember, he played at Stanford, won a lot of football games at Stanford. So not totally surprised that he played well, um, but I am surprised that they were able to come out of there with a win. I thought they would have to have – to, uh, I thought Mississippi State would lose the game, but I thought the point totals would be higher. Uh, didn't expect them to win that game, though. Uh, and then, uh, look, at the end of the day – Mac Jones, kid was unbelievable, and he was just – it was like he was playing seven-on-seven seven out there for Alabama. So when you look around the country, uh, particularly the SEC, right, this is the first sample size we saw of them this year, I saw a lot of good things. I actually didn't think South Carolina played that bad. Uh, I thought Tennessee just played better than they did. Um, I thought both teams were – you know, made some plays. Both teams kind of made some mistakes as well. But I didn't think, you know, Tennessee was – you know, really took advantage or, or, of anything overly ridiculous out of South Carolina and vice versa. I thought they just found a way to win that football game. All right, let me go back to Mississippi State. You mentioned the head coach the same way I call him, the same reference I, or same uh, nickname or pseudonym I refer to him as the Pirate. I love the Pirate. I've been following him on social media for years. He makes me smile. If I wake up in the morning – and I see a tweet from the Pirate. I usually start my day with a smile. Now, he's done it at East Carolina. Okay, smaller comp. He did it, put up these offenses, the, the big numbers at Texas Tech, Big 12. He put up some big passing numbers and has a quarterback in the NFL in the Pac-12. All right, so he just comes into the SEC in his very first game on the road. Yes, without Stingley on the road at LSU against the reigning national champ 
and break the SEC record for most passing yards in the game. Can he finally shake the moniker or his quarterback of just being a system? If he doesn't, every conference against supposedly, you know, the best defenses in the nation or the best defensive conferences in the SEC. Granted, it's one game. The LSU is known for having a good defense, especially the secondary. Yes, they're missing a guy. But if he does this a couple more times, is this, you know, do we finally shake that moniker of it just being, you know, just this weird system, funky system, and defenses don't prepare for it, and then the quarterbacks are only good because they're part of the system? No, I think, I think that narrative is already gone. Uh, and, and to be honest, it wasn't his guy that did it, but I think the narrative for historically has been guys out of that system, which is uh, derived from or a part of uh, what how Mummy was doing all the way back with Tim Couch at Kentucky and moving forward through what Lincoln Riley is doing right at Oklahoma and what we saw from Leach at Texas Tech. So guess what? When you start, and I stopped at Texas Tech for a reason, there's your Patrick Mahomes. You look at what Lincoln Riley has done. Now look at what Kyler Murray's doing in the NFL. This, th- this ball is starting to roll. Baker Mayfield came out of this system as well. This ball is starting to roll faster down the hill for guys out of this system because there was finally one that figured it out and has played well in the National Football League. Now, Mahomes is insane good right now. But when you start getting some quarterbacks in the NFL that have been able to make the transition from the, quote, system to be able to understand schemes and concepts in the NFL, I think that's part of why the narrative is changing. The second thing I'll tell you, Gene, why this thing is going to go out the window in terms of people thinking those systems don't work, it's very, very simple. Look at what's happening with football now. You get a kid, and and you know it because you're around high school football as well. You get a good 6'1 kid with a a decent arm, come out of eighth grade, spread it out, let him throw it around the field. All of a sudden, that's what this kid's been doing for four or five years, right? Some kids, private school, right? Five years coming out of high school, and they get to college, wherever they are, and they say, all right, we got all this stuff in our toolbox, but we're going to fit it to what you do best. And then they do that in college, and then all of a sudden, a few years later, you get in the National Football League. What's the conversation right now about Baker Mayfield? you got to fit the offense to what he does best. What's been the conversation about Kyler Murray? They, they went and got Cliff Kingsbury, who, again, part of this tree of this system, you know, within this tree, they went and got Cliff Kingsbury at Arizona to fit with Kyler Murray to speak the same language and run some of those concepts. So what, what I've been saying, what my, my point in making is, as you watch these kids come up, the game is changing with them to fit around them, which means you're probably going to see more of them have quote-unquote success in the National Football League because more people are adjusting and saying, look, if I'm going to draft this kid in the top five, or if I'm going to draft it, I, I got to put him on the field right away, the opposite of what we're seeing in Miami right now with Tua Tungvaloa, but I got to put him on the field right away, and I got to spread it out and do what he does best. That's what football teams are doing all the way up now. Yeah, and it's a good point. And for, for the folks that are listening, you know, maybe some folks that don't have a terribly high IQ with football as it transitions to the NFL, what you see a lot of times in the NFL is reverse of what high school and college does. The NFL, as you know, 
the defense will line up or the offense will line up, the defense will adjust. The offense has about three plays they can call when they come to the line because whatever play you call to start with, most of the time is not the play you go with because the defense adjusts. The defense dictates the offensive play in the NFL as opposed to opposite in high school and college. So these guys come out the huddle or they look over and get the hand signs from their coach in high school and college, <clears throat> and they run their play. In the NFL, yep. you don't have that same thing. You go out there on the field, you you know, you got a headset in or earbuds. Sometimes you have to look over whatever it is. Um, and within a matter of a second of coming to the line, they're already checking how many times, you know, especially now that you don't hear the crowd noise, here's a perfect test. Turn your volume up on an NFL game this past weekend. There's not 80,000 people in the stands. What do you hear? Easy, easy, easy. Check, check, check. Black, easy, easy. You hear that kill, because kill, they're going kill, to kill, a different place. Kill, 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 kill. Yes, exactly. Because those, because they have to react to the defense. Now, what I will see wonder is, you know, the Lincoln Riley, uh, the Leach, and some of these, you know, these young offensive minds, uh, the head coach over at St. Louis, you know, they have these brilliant offensive minds are – are they going to come out of the huddle or have their quarterback come out of the huddle with that mentality of we got such a, we have such a great play you know if it's a pass play we have five different options with a four wide receiver or a tight end or a running back or whatever it is we have five options that we're not going to adjust because that's what those quarterbacks are used to they're not used to having to read and adjust at the line and especially these gunslingers. You know, they might have to adjust out and run the ball on first down where they're used to, you know, I've been throwing the ball since I was in eighth grade. You know, so it's a huge adjustment. And I'm like you, but I want to see if these young minds will be that bullheaded to come out with a certain amount of plays, you know, in the quarterback's head and said, you know, we're going to run one of these no matter what they give us. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to watch the development of of quarterbacks, right? And and you look across and, and you see who's been playing well. And I tell you what's funny. You look at a guy like Lamar Jackson. You know, he redshirted a year at, at, at Louisville, and, and then he did his thing, right? He, he played his three seasons. The guy's got nearly – he had nearly 50 starts uh, in college. He was over 40 starts, I believe, in college. I think it was like 40, 40 or 41 starts, something like that in college. Uh, so that's important. Uh, you turn around, you look at, look at the guy that, you know, we can't believe, right? The guy never has had an MVP vote, let alone a first-place vote, a vote at all. In Russell Wilson, he started 50 games in college. You know, Trevor Lawrence is, is on pace to start 44, you know, 40-plus games in college. That's important. Um, now, that's, of course, if Clemson doesn't lose too many games, right, COVID-related this year because, he, I mean, the kids played two seasons. He's got 30 starts under his belt, right? So, you start adding that up. You know, and these players can really get themselves in a situation for the development to, to be much more rapid at the NFL level because they've had the requisite snaps at the collegiate level um, to see a lot of different things and a lot of different defenses. Hey, what's up, Reggie? This is Richie, man. So I'm actually down here in, in some common ground that you're familiar with. I'm actually at the Berkeley Goose Creek Friday Night Lights. It's a Monday night edition of it, man. But first of all, uh, you know, before I talk about some college with you, you know, uh, man, I tell you what, here in the state of South Carolina, brother, we, we really got it served to us right. We had Thursday night football, Friday night football, Saturday night football, 
And then Monday night is our game of the week, which is where we are tonight, watching two rival games between Berkeley or teams between Berkeley and Goose Creek, man. I mean, this is kind of like college, man, when you think about it, when, you know, you have, what, four or five games between four or five days in that opening weekend, you know? Yeah, how about that? And and, and shout out to those two programs. I had I had teammates in college, uh, Kenta Palmer, who is a – who was in law enforcement down in the Charleston area right now, played wide receiver at Berkeley. And then shout out to uh, Rodney Kendall, played running back at Goose Creek. A couple guys that migrated all the way up to Penn State and were my teammates as well. So uh, I've heard enough about that rivalry in talking to those two guys. And it's good to see and good to hear that that continues this year amidst everything that's going on, pandemic and every other thing going on in this country. Now, if you guys that are listening right now, it's in the second quarter. It's 14 to 7. Goose Creek with the ball. It looks like they're somewhere around the 30. They're marching towards uh, the schoolhouse, of course, uh, here in the second quarter. Been a great game, but uh, let's talk about the game Saturday night. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'll let, uh, of course, uh, Eugene kind of take it over because I'm double dipping here tonight. But, but what is your thought of South Carolina, man? This is a team that everybody thought, okay, they got Mike Bobo. They got a quarterback that knows their scheme. They now have a healthy defense, but it was anything but healthy when it comes to at least the fans that were watching the game with, of course, you know, uh, missing tackles, not playing man-to-man assignments. But then I watched some more football on Sunday, and you see a lot of that, you know, across the board, Reggie, where it seems like defensively they're not wrapping up, they're not tackling all the way from the NFL down to the college ranks. Give me your, your perspective on what you've seen in the last three weeks of football. No, the, the tackling has been absolutely atrocious. It, it, it just flat out has. And, and I think it, it, it speaks to a couple of things, right? Uh, even the pro team here in Charlotte, the, the Carolina Panthers, uh, there was a discussion, I think, in the first two weeks alone, uh, they missed something like 23 tackles as a team. Uh, tackling is bad, and, and there's two pieces to it. I think what happens, number one, is the way the rules have changed in terms of the physicality and hitting and tackling and all that stuff in practice, a lot of that has been minimized, especially at the NFL level, uh, for player safety and concussions. You know, we've, we've had this conversation, and Richie, I'm sure you and Eugene have both heard this a million times, right? The, the old Oklahoma drill has made a lot of football players into basketball players. Well, we don't, you pretty much can't do the Oklahoma drill anymore, right? You can't do bull in the ring and all these different things that used to happen that would help develop the physicality on the football field. That's number one. Number two... When you have, you know, sort of smaller roster sizes in some cases, because in a lot of places, particularly in high school, right, they're building high schools on top of each other. So you you end up spreading out the kids, which means you have less players. And when you're in those situations, you got to be careful with tackling in practice or going low because you don't want guys to get hurt, roll an ankle, twist a knee, those kinds of things as well. So you add all that up. You add up the player safety aspect of it. Uh, in some cases, the smaller roster sizes uh, and the bigger players, right, which adds to the physicality piece of it. And I think it right now it's just so tough for teams to work on it, particularly defensive coaches, because they're so worried about all these crazy formations that some offensive coordinator like Mike Leach or like Mike Bobo or like Lincoln Riley may come up with that you know you have to be adjusted to. I think coaches spend so much more time now teaching just alignment and assignment that they miss a lot of time on physicality and finishing a play by getting the guy on the ground. 
I will say uh, that's one thing that uh, Coach Call does. That he took over at Oceanside when Chad Greer left. It's one thing that Chad preached was, you know, we, they had the tough Tuesday kind of thing where it was the Oklahoma was more of the gauntlet, so to speak. And, uh, you know, it, it led to uh, quite a few scuffles every Tuesday because there was some mad hitting. And uh, that's one thing that Coach Call, you know, being, being the grandson of Coach McKissick, who I'm sure you're familiar with, the all-time winningest football coach at any level, in the history of our country, uh, you know, and Coach Calls brought that to Oceanside where, you know, they still do that on Tuesday. We had a massive uh, scrimmage-type practice in front of parents, and he said, look, uh, you know, this is the go- this is what we do on uh, uh, on practice on Tuesday in full pads, and the guys kind of went after it, and you kind of see that, that hitting, that blocking, you know, guys getting off, the cheering, the screaming, the slapping, the helmet, and, uh, you know, it, it kind of gets them used to it. So when Friday rolls around and you, you kick off the ball and you get that first pop of your pad, you know, you don't have that kind of deer in the headlight look. You know, these kids are, are used to it. They've been popping pads, you know, several times during the week. But, um, you know, and, and I get it. you got to take care of, you know, there's the player safety, the player safety. But uh, I think one of the things, that, and, and that's kind of what, what I want to lead into next, is um, unfortunately – School districts, you know, are a lot of them are elected officials and and people like that, and they have to look at potential lawsuits. And you know, we know as society as it is that everything can lead to a lawsuit. Now, whether or not it's meritorious, that's a different argument for a different day. But everything can lead to a potential lawsuit and bad publicity. Now, rolling into my next thing, because I want you to crack your knuckles, stretch your back, stretch your neck, yawn, whatever you got to do. I want to hit you up with the hard topic. Your boys are playing. We got the schedule up, Big Ten. They're going to kick it off football. Now who do we have playing again? Now the Pac-12 is saying they're playing. Maybe, maybe not Colorado. I think they have to go through the governor. It's kind of a political, huge political situation. Now what do you make of this, that the Pac-12 has oh, decided we're going to play too, and they've done their research as much as they could to try to squeeze in enough games so that they could possibly be eligible for the playoff should they have the team. What's up with that? Give me your opinion. I think it's twofold. I think, number one, it was they didn't want to be the only ones not doing it, right? Because since then, we've seen now the MAC uh, has voted to, to, to get some action going. Uh, the Mountain West Conference, I believe, now wants to play as well. And I think the Mountain West Conference and the MAC in particular, the MAC was kind of watching the Big Ten. But I think the Mountain West, they were looking at, you know, the Sun Belt and Conference USA and the American going, man, those guys are getting high noon kickoff on ESPN. Those guys are getting ESPN too. Those guys are getting ABC games. We got to go play because the exposure they're getting and the recruiting opportunities that they're going to get off of this, we're losing on on those. And then I think when you look at the Pac-12, I think the big step for them was I actually thought it was before the Big Ten announced when they announced that they had the rapid testing uh, machines or whatever that they were going to put on those campuses. I thought that was the first step, right? That was the beginning of them trying to open that door to come back in 2020. And, and so then you add to it, the Big Ten finds a way. And I think the biggest thing, Eugene, with this was I think so many administrators and athletic directors and presidents and chancellors, they were concerned about, okay, Maybe not necessarily losing a kid, but what happens? How do we deal with postponements and cancellations because of positive tests and, 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 and contact tracing? 
And so they needed to see some examples. They wanted somebody else to do the beta testing for them. And then all of a sudden, you know, think about it. We're only really three or four weeks into the season, and now everybody's ready to play again. They just needed a couple of weeks to see how people were handling postponements, how they were handling contact tracing, what are the roster requirements. Once that got all figured out and mitigated, then all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, we can figure this out. It's not going to be that hard. And one thing I think we've noticed is uh, about two weeks ago, the stats were coming out that they had had, uh, was it something like uh, 15,000 high school football games uh, throughout the country, and they hadn't been able to trace a single transmission of the case due to a football game, as well as, you know, uh, like you said, all the other issues going on that, whether it be financial or recruiting. Now, uh, we'll finish up because I know it's 727 uh, leading into recruiting. Uh, I sent you a message about my boy. He asked me to hit you up again, so, so I wanted to uh, tell you that. Uh, but um, and he's actually up in the Charlotte area a good bit doing this thing with a former NFL guy with Dan Orner played for the Vikings. But um, uh, with recruiting, you saw the dead period get extended extended to January one. Now, in our view, that's completely destroyed the hopes and dreams for many, many, many 2021 kids. Uh, for others, they're going to have to make sight unseen choices that affect the rest of their lives. One of the things that we talked about in recruiting with some of the national guys here on the show was that you don't make a college choice for four years. You're making it for 40 years. The in, what That's the right. NCAA has done is made these kids make that choice, a 40-year decision, possibly on a place they've never, ever been to in their life. With possibly some coaches, they've never shaken their hand. They've never sat in the room. They've never looked them eye to eye. Sure, you can do that via Zoom. You can do that via FaceTime. It's not the same. You understand it. You played the game. You look coaches in the eyes. You look other people in the eyes in business, shake their hands. There's a reason people have face-to-face learning, face-to-face conferences. Give us your thoughts on that, uh, on, on the uh, ruling uh, extending the dead period out to January 1. Well, I think I think there is an issue with that, right? I think I think the point you made about the coaches and and the the person-to-person relationship and not being able to have that contact does make it tough. Uh, I think what the what we could see uh, as a byproduct of this is I think you could see a lot more regionalized um, situations for kids. What I mean by that is uh, you may now be looking at let's just use a high-level kid in South Carolina, say he's from uh, shoot, anywhere in South Carolina. Let's just say uh, he's from, you know, uh, Fort Dort, right? Let's just say he's from Fort Dorchester. If he's a high-level kid, you can probably bet, and again, I don't know everybody's financial situation, but chances are you can drive to the University of Georgia, you can drive to South Carolina, you can drive to Clemson, may not be able to go to the football facilities, but you can go look at the school that's within your region that's close by you. Now, the, to your point, you're still not interacting with the coaches, but you can get a feel, right, for the point you made initially, not four years, it's about 40. You can get a feel for the campus itself away from football on your own. But again, for a kid that may be from Columbia, and let's just say the financial means may not be there, he's not going to be able to go look at Oregon. Because you don't just fly out to Oregon on your own unless you can afford to do that. So I think what's going to happen is I think some kids may have to get a little more creative 
um, and, and, and finding some spots maybe closer to home uh, that they're interested in and go visit the schools on their own. It'll be an unofficial visit, obviously. Um, and so the cool thing about that is you can do a thousand of those if you want to really get a feel. But to your point, at the end of the day, right, because and I say that because we're in an era to where everything we're doing now is adjusting, right? We're we're trying to adapt to whatever COVID is, is hitting us with. And I'm telling you, it's a moving target. We're getting a body shot in one second, then a left hook, and then an overhand right, and then another body shot. And we're just taking blows from COVID like crazy. But the reality is everybody's getting creative. And, and so I hope that these kids can get creative as well at least within the regions, and go see some things. But you're right, it will have a profound effect on recruiting. And, and listen, you know who may end up winning the most in this deal? Uh, some postgraduate schools. Um, if a kid wants to maybe wait a year, maybe go to a postgrad year, get their body a little bit more ready um, because they weren't sure where they want to go, maybe that option will be out there as well. So I think it's going to be a little bit about how creative, right, that kids can continue to be and then see where they can go from there. I appreciate it, buddy. Man, like always, we always run out of time. You and I can get a three-hour show one day. There's just so much to cover. <laughs> I think we uh, we messed well on, on the radio, buddy. Um, I appreciate everything you do. We'll definitely catch up with you, and I'll definitely uh, we'll, we'll be uh, back and forth on social media. I got to let you go. I got a guy coming in who covers uh, South Carolina High School sports uh, with SC Blitz. He's actually up near you in the Rock Hill area with uh, uh, Jamie Rebus, a guy you might want to start following in that area. It's at Jamie, J-A-M-I-E-R-E-V-I-S-1. Again, he covers – he's one of our partners with SC Blitz and covers that uh, uh, Rock Hill area. So uh, somebody that you're real close to and, you know, uh, we'll definitely – hopefully, I know he's listening in. You guys can make the connection and he can give you some high school sports from the other side of the line. But – Again, Reggie, it's always a pleasure, buddy. Uh, Take care. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Always enjoy the time. And uh, I will definitely uh, look to make that connection. Uh, And, hey, let's keep enjoying this football season. Until next week, guys, we are. That's the one and only Reginald Walker, Jr., uh, former Penn State guy. He's uh, hanging out there in Charlotte. He's always uh, on the radio with us. He has his own show. He's also the voice of – uh, two of the big college teams there in the area. You got to check them out always and uh, listen to the show. You can hit the links, follow them, uh, and, and catch up with what he's doing. He's always doing a great job in that area. We cover all all aspects, as you can tell, from high school, college, and NFL. Uh, let us take a 39-second break, and we're going to come back, as we were just discussing, with Jamie Regis, excuse me, with High School Blitz, uh, covers the Rock Hill area. Uh, we'll be back in 39 seconds, guys. And we're back with uh, first time for me, 
with uh, Jamie Rebus. Rebus joins us live. Uh, he, he's one of the contributors at uh, High School Blitz, one of our uh, partners there. Uh, what's up, Jamie? How's it going? Good, man. Just got off work. About to watch some more football. <laughs> so you guys have uh, high school games, or are you uh, getting ready for the NFL game tonight? Nah, man. Um, about to watch um, Kansas City and Baltimore. I got you. We're down here in the low country, man. We've had we had a bunch of uh, lightning and rainstorms through the area Friday. We had some games on Friday night. We had some games on Saturday. We had one big low country 5A game tonight that Richie's at with uh, over with um, Goose Creek and Berkeley, two of the kind of known powerhouse programs. Big time 5A is the biggest, you know, as you know in the area. So um, he's over there uh, covering that a little bit and uh, back and forth. So uh, we'll start off with what you saw in your region, some of that area. You can uh, give us a rundown of some of the games, your impressions of them, and any dudes that stood out on the field, maybe some surprises and uh, maybe some letdowns. I'll let you uh, take over for a few minutes and discuss uh, what you saw on Friday. Yeah, sure. Um, So I covered the York versus Indian Land game. Um, You may know uh, Brown. He's the receiver for York, and he at one time was committed to App State, but I think he opened up his commitment or opened up his um, options the other day, actually. And I think he may go to Virginia, but who knows. But during the game, they pretty much had him locked down. I think they threw four screens to him and one little slant route. But other than that, York started out kind of slow, they were backed up on their own one-yard line and threw a screen, and the guy took a knee when he caught it, so he called it a safety. And Indian Land was up 5-0, and York got some, some momentum after a big-time intercession from Isaiah Burris. He's a senior safety for him, and he brought it back 50 yards. He also called a punt return and returned it 50, um, 50, 60 yards also, but they called it back for a flag. I talked to him after the game, and I asked him, I was like, man, do you have any offers? And he said, no, sir. And I was like, what's your GPA? 3.1. So, um, another player was Lele Davis. I think he had two interceptions. But overall, York's got the athletes, man. They just have a young offensive line. I think their two guards maybe average 210 pounds, if that. So, athletic director told me, man, you can't have everything. So, but as far as Indian land goes, I talked I talked to the coach from Indian land and he threw out a few names or whatever, but one of the kids that stood out to me was their freshman running back. He looked like a stud, man. So, I think the score was 21-14 and it came down to the wire. So, I think yours going to be a, a decent team. You know, they just got to find ways to get Sean Brown the ball, you know, downfield rather than screens. Well, you're in the land of uh, future NFL talent. There's so much uh, high school football talent in South Carolina in that area that ends up uh, playing big-time college football and in the NFL. Everybody knows, you know, with the, the Clownies and the Gilmores and, and guys like that, you know, you, you not only have, you know, like you mentioned with the uh, Indian land in York, you got Northwestern who has a quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, you got, you know, teams like Clover's got players everywhere. You got, you know, so uh, 
give us a breakdown of that area. You know, some of the other teams that, you know, maybe you didn't get to see in person. Maybe you got to watch some highlights or, or read some uh, articles and stats on some of the teams that impressed you the most up there. Yeah, absolutely. I think somebody that's going to surprise a lot of people is going to be Nation Ford. I forgot who they played. Um, I think they threw about 37 points Friday night, but South Point, of course, is going to be up there. They have one of the best players in the state, being Omega Blake. Um, also, Northwestern is going to be good, of course. But as far as Clover goes, man, I went to their Jamboree game two Fridays ago, and, of course, it was against Dorman. But, man, they just they look young. They look small. And from the score against, correct me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, Ren, the high school Ren, yeah, and Ren, the VR. They lost. Yeah. Well, Ren yeah, was they a lost 4A. Yeah, Ren was a 4A powerhouse last year. They were the only team, I think, in the state of South Carolina that scored more, more points than Oceanside. And, uh, you know, they won the state title. Now, Ren moved down to 3A, but I think it was one of those moves that was kind of on the line uh, where they could have possibly still stayed in 4A. But they're going to be a powerhouse in 3A. But, you know, don't, don't let that – 3A, 4A, full year. Ren, Ren puts up a lot of points, and they have a lot of great athletes and coaching. They've produced, you know, some high quality, high caliber quarterbacks in the past few years. But um, yeah, another team in that area I, I, that I'm familiar with, but I haven't seen them play. I know their coaching staff really well. Is um, a 2A team, and that's Legion Academy. Do you see anything with them? I actually, um, when I printed off my press pass, I went and saw. Uh, Spencer Carroll at Office Depot. He's the son of Bobby Carroll, and you know we're talking back and forth, and they said that they were playing Chesney or whatever over at um, God, I forgot where Chesney is over there by Spartanburg, maybe. I'm not too familiar yeah. with Chesney, but yeah, it's up in uh, Kim Brown's neighborhood. I, yeah, they um ended up losing by two points or touchdown, maybe. I don't. I honestly don't know too much about them. I just know that they have a a heck of a coaching staff. They have all the local legends on that staff. Well, give us some other uh, insight. Uh, I know you're doing, you know, with the high school blitz. So um, uh, I, I trying to catch up with uh, with what you do there. I, I know that you're kind of the 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 base man, so to speak, in that Rock Hill area. That that kind of center upstate is what I call it. That kind of South Charlotte area. Um, so uh, what is it that you're doing with the high school blitz letter? Uh, we'll kind of introduce you to the family, so to speak, and give you a chance to talk about what you do with the high school blitz and what you're looking for up there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just kind of piggies back off of what I used to do with Rama. You know, my main thing there was recruiting and what I'm really good at is connecting with the kids. When I was with Rama, I talked to the kids weekly, you know, more than just football about life and one of the famous quotes, Dabo gave was, you know, if they don't leave here great men and great husbands and great fathers, then we failed. So that's another, that's one of the aspects I expect to bring to the high school bliss, you know, just picking out players who may not get that recognition like they should, if you will. You know, it's a lot of, and it's a crazy season. We all know that. Yes. So I don't know, well, I don't know how. Go ahead. You saw the tag on Twitter. Um, you know, with the high school blitz family, uh, you know, for guys that might be in that area, you might want to reach out, uh, retweet it, whatnot. Let them know. Uh, let, let, let's get together. Let, let's talk. You know, kind of 
let guys know how to reach you and contact you for the recruiting aspect of it. I know certainly they need to get in Miss V's database, and um, we certainly hope Miss V's feeling better and uh, send our love out to her. I know she's listening to you, buddy, and um, we, we definitely love Miss V. But, um, you know, so definitely get out there and, and talk about what you're looking for. You know, if there's certain positions, if you're all over the board, you know, kind of give some guys that might be listening. We have a lot of – we have a huge listener base, you know, it's all over the state. So, any guys that might be listening, players, coaches, parents, or whatnot, you know, how to get in touch with you and uh, what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, of course, we always want to find out if you're a good fit for a program. You know, always ask a few questions, you know, whether – you know, what would your coach say about you? But if they want to ever – contact me drop their huddle or just have a simple conversation they could contact me on twitter and um i'll gladly have a conversation with anybody you know i only know so much so i can give them as much as advice as i possibly can to them you know kind of be well, that big said, brother figure to them but good deal well you came over you said from a previous uh spot where you did recruiting so uh what what when you say recruiting what does that actually entail yeah, so pretty much I would just – I did most of my recruiting via Twitter or whatever. You know, when I first started, I was on Facebook adding coaches and asking if they had, you know, any players that may need to go the junior college route. And I got about a 50-50 response with it. But then I finally got on Twitter where everybody was, and, you know, they just started flocking to me, honestly. And, you know, everybody wants to be – a college athlete and some guys you have to turn down or you know kind of you know point them in another direction but you know that was for me was you know kind of doing a background check with each player I um recruited if you will okay well if there's a guy that's kind of maybe thinking you know I got a shot or I'd like to play that next level um you know what are some of the things that you're looking for in dudes you know you can break it down by position we'll do it like that kind of give you the give you the floor to say you know if you're running back i'm would like to talk to you i'm looking for these kind of grades and i'm looking for maybe this type of height and weight you know this kind of speed you know uh this on your film um you know break it down by position since you're uh kind of been involved in all aspects of recruiting you know kind of those guys that say hey you know i might be that guy but you know should i contact them do i have a chance you know tell them what you're looking for yeah absolutely i think Size plays a little bit of a role into it. I mean, people will tell me all the time they want a six-foot corner and stuff like that, but I think there was a few. I know at least one guy who got drafted this past year who was 5'10", 5'9", maybe, and you see it all the time, but they jump out the jump out the roof. The things that I look for, quite honestly, regarding any position, honestly, is just motor, you know, if I see you slacking on a play when you don't get the ball or the ball's ran to the other side or you're not close to making the tackle, you know, I look for hustle or whatever, no matter what I'm what position I'm recruiting for. You know, you may not be as fast, you may not be as big and that was one of the points that I would make with the with the player would be come over here, develop on the field in the classroom for a year, you know, kinda get used to that collegiate play and then once when everything is squared away, you know, move on to where you want to go or whoever offers you. I got you. And so I know Miss V, when uh, we went up to Charlotte a couple of weeks ago, 
you know, with the high school blitz, you know, we're looking for some uh, receivers. I know you mentioned one with the Mega Lake, and that's a guy that we've seen at camp a few times. And, you know, he's definitely already uh, figured out where he wants to go, you know, in his mind. At least that's what he said so far And uh, with South Carolina. But, um, you know, some of the other guys, let's say you mentioned DB, some of the O-line. I know, you know, a lot of O-line guys, if they don't feel like they have a chance, uh, you go to these camps and you hear, you know, if you're not six foot three, you know, the power five guys aren't going to look at you. But then you look at power five rosters and you see some six one centers and you see some six two guards, kind of those rogue grader guys that just hustle, like you said. So, uh, you know, give us your take on, on the big guys up front. And I know D-line has kind of a, a different metric that coaches are looking for. So if those guys are listening, you know, what's, in your opinion, uh, some of the guys that you could help, you know, if they feel like they're around, right on that edge or feel like, you know, maybe they have a chance, should they reach out, you know, uh, talk about the big guys. Yeah. If I'm talking to a smaller offensive or defensive lineman, I would simply just say use that to your advantage, man. I mean, I mean, unless you're going up against a five-star offensive tackle or defensive end, I mean, if you're a couple inches shorter or, you know, 20, 30 pounds lighter, use that to your advantage. I mean, it's not a done deal for you. So for me, quite honestly, and like, and this goes back to what I said was, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. You know, you really got to utilize that because you, like you just said, I mean, there are some guys who make it power five who are six one, six two. You know, I went to Coastal Carolina and I think their star defensive end was six foot, two hundred thirty pounds, but you know, you will you will never catch him slacking off of a play. Yeah, and I think that bleeds over to the NFL. Arguably, the best defensive lineman in the league is five foot eleven, and Aaron Donald. You know, you just got to have that motor and be that dude. You got to be that guy in the weight room. Uh, so, talk about some of the off-field kind of stuff that you're looking for in recruits. You know, whether it be the weight room and academics and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's all good, man. This is. What I tell guys, and this was something that I mentioned last week when I was on the the call with V, was if you're wanting to play college ball, you have to go down a different avenue. You know, everybody has friends who don't play sports, and if your if your goal is to play college ball, you gotta you know separate yourself from them. You know, whether that's in the books, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's in your community, whatever it might be. You know, you just can't. You can't get caught up in playing video games, playing basketball at the YMCA, whatever it may be. So any of those things are good. Now, one other thing you, you mentioned, like with the basketball and stuff, um, you know, a lot of athletes, you know, especially football players, they play other sports, um, you know, and there's there's always the argument on both sides. You see a lot of uh, coaches that say they're looking for, you know, two-sport athletes. I know a lot of programs – you know, have great success with two-sport athletes, especially, you know, guys that play uh, you know, the skilled guys that also run track or the skilled guys that play basketball. You know, uh, I know a lot of the quarterbacks and stuff play baseball, you know, so uh, some of the two-sport athletes, you know, what's your advice to those guys, you know, we're trying to kind of focus down on one when they're trying to get to that next level? I would tell them, I mean, continue to be a two, three, four-sport athlete. I think I saw a post about it one day that coaches love seeing that, and plus it keeps you busy. And when you're playing sports, and at least for me, I did better in school. And I know that's for a lot of kids also. 
you know, if you're playing a sport, you're going to go to class, you're going to do good in the books because you actually want to play and not get benched because you can't meet a certain requirement. So I would definitely encourage multi-sport athletes. Well, you mentioned, you you know, you're playing sports. So uh, introduce, you know, where you played your high school ball, what sports you played, and uh, you you mentioned coastal as well. Uh, Tell us uh, a little bit about you and, and what you did there in college. Yeah, absolutely. So I played at York High School and I graduated twenty eleven. It was it was a rough it was a rough team and York wasn't in its winning ways when I was there. After I graduated I played a little bit of semi pro ball or whatever. And that's how I actually got introduced to the people that brought me on to the junior college was through that. When I went to coastal their roster was currently full, so I had to wait until the spring to walk on because I had went to coastal because I went to a community college right after high school and I had a I still had eligibility, but me having to wait till the spring, I was still working out, still running around the track, working on my speed and hips and everything, and man, lo and behold, it I did something to my ankle and it kind of like got me down and. You know, I just said, you know, maybe it's not for me. So if I can't play it, I'll find a way to get back to it after Coastal. You know, I got into life insurance and got into plumbing. And my buddy who was with the junior college asked me to come along. And this was March of last year as a position coach. And I think a month before our first game, he asked me if I want to be the offensive coordinator. And I had to think about it because I, I haven't had no experience coaching ball at that kind of level. I mean, I coached a little bit of rec ball after high school, but that was pretty much it. But it was, it was an experience. You know, kids not wanting to come to practice, and man, we had skilled guys all over the place. But we, I think, our offensive line averaged our quarterback of a second, maybe two seconds to throw the ball each snap, so it made it kind of hard. And um, after that, I decided I wanted to step down because I was a spread air raid kind of guy with the guys that we had. And the, the athletic director would bark in my ear, run the power eye. And, dude, I'm I'm a big fan of running what works, and that just didn't work for us. So I stepped down as a main recruiter and a position coach. And, you know, this past year I – I wore many hats, whether it's a recruiter, whether it's a big brother. I gave workout plans, meal plans, helped out with the school situation. So ultimately, you know, I saw some leadership issues with the program, so I stepped away so I can finish up my bachelor's degree. And me and Ken got to talking last week, and he asked me if I wanted to be a part of the high school blitz. And, Ken's a real humbled and great guy that I would love to work with, so I took it. Yeah, and I know everybody's excited to have you on and uh, ready to get this going. Actually, Ken's going to be joining us at 8 o'clock, so if you want to you know, stay on the line and listen in to Ken and what he's got to say. So it's actually a rare thing. Ken doesn't like to do a whole lot of the media stuff. He's a guy that likes to get out there with the dudes at the field, man. He just uh, So we're actually excited to have him on for a few minutes at 8 o'clock. But, um, you know, 
And so I guess if you were at Coastal then, I'm trying to think if you were so there with uh, some of my friends. Uh, Devin Brown was a kick returner, a guy that I coached with for a couple of years. He's now over at James Island with Coach McCoy. Uh, were you on that team with him? Uh, maybe so, man. I, I was with them 2014 when they went to the playoffs and they lost to North Dakota State. I, I believe that was the team. Yeah, he was on that team as well as a running back from here in the Low Country at Somerville, who's uh who had a little uh a little stint there with the NFL. But um, you know, so so I'm taking it. Yeah, you were definitely on the offensive side of the ball and, and that. So uh, you know, for the offensive guys out there, if you want to get a shot to get a chance to speak with um, you know, to speak with you and speak with Jamie and get kind of your name on the radar. You know, I want to encourage those guys to reach out to you, especially those guys in the area. You know, are you in the position where you, you know, you can go out to practices and meet with dudes and uh, kind of have those conversations and kind of pull them into the high school blitz family and get them on that radar so you can help them get to that next level? Practices, no, because I, I won't be getting off work till roughly 7, 7.30. But I, I have been giving it some thoughts where if I go to a game on Friday and I talk to a kid or two, you know, I want to at least be able to possibly go to his house, sit down with his family, and, you know, just kind of build that relationship with him. That sounds like a plan, man. Well, uh, where do you uh, – I guess you're covering um, the York game Friday night. Who do you guys have Friday night? Oh, I will actually be Rock Hill versus Sumter. I know – Absolutely nothing about either team. Unfortunately, I don't know too much about Rock Hill this year, but I did reach out to the Sumter coach, and he sent me some stats or whatever. So, you know, I'll definitely be keeping on keeping an eye out. But, you know, my thing, like I mentioned before, was I'm trying to find that guy that nobody knows about. So I, I hope I can get find at least – Sumter has those dudes, you know, they have a guy that's committed to the University of Florida. They have another defensive end that's uh, pretty stacked. Uh, I know that, but you know, there's another defensive end on that team that already has some talent and offers or uh, maybe trying to generate some interest. So, you know, you can definitely reach out to him. I know the quarterback at Sumter uh, is a guy that's trying to find a home somewhere. He's super talented. You know, they have a good team. You know, Sumter has already scrimmaged Fort uh, D. You know, they played a, a big-time game Friday night. Uh, so, those guys, you know, they're highly ranked. Um, you know, it's just we'll, we'll see if they put it together, you know, throughout the year and come to playoffs because, you know, on paper, you know, they came into the season, like I said, highly ranked. And, uh, you know, they returned a bunch of dudes. They got some offensive weapons. They got defensive weapons. So, should be an interesting game to watch. And definitely, you know, you definitely want to take a look at the uh, other side of opposite of Mr. Uh, uh, Bone there, who's committed to Florida for Sumter, because that other defensive end has got some talent as well. Um, so if it, it's about seven fifty-eight, so Mr. Brown's coming in at eight o'clock. Is there anything else you want to add for the weekend before we let you go? No, nah, man. I'm just happy to be a part of the team and ready to get to work. We're definitely uh, excited to have you as part of the family. You know, you know, we're, we're kind of blanketing the state, so to speak, kind of like what Coastal's doing in their recruiting. We had those guys on just a little uh, – uh, Coach Corm was on last week talking about recruiting and stuff like that and what they were doing, you know, celebrating that big win, uh, going to getting another big win, follow up on that. And, they, you know, 
it was pretty exciting. They gave us 30 minutes of their time to talk about the Coastal program. You know, we've become huge fans of Coastal here. You know, just what they're doing in the state of South Carolina. You know, they're winning big. You know, it's a big move to jump up to Division One. They got the stadium. The facilities are are just you know great for for what they've been able to accomplish in a short time. Uh, the coaches are doing a great job in the state of South Carolina. You know, they've made such a huge effort in making this state a priority, trying to keep the kids home. So it's been interesting, kind of fun to watch with them. You know, with all their recruiting efforts and what they're doing. So, um, but uh, we'll definitely stay in touch, man. Again, welcome to the family. Uh, it's been a pleasure to get to know you. I know I haven't met you before, um, so it's been good to have this conversation. We're definitely look forward to many, many, many more conversations, you know, with the whole team as we uh, continue to grow this family. And, uh, again, you know, stay safe. We enjoyed having you. Uh, welcome anytime. You're part of the family, brother. Appreciate it. All right, folks, so we're up against the 8 o'clock hour. We're going to take our uh, quick 8 o'clock break. Uh, we got Mr. Ken Brown. He'll be coming in in just a few moments, and uh, we'll be joining us here uh, to discuss the high school blitz. As everybody knows, he's the founder of SC Blitz, and uh, we are excited because, again, Mr. Brown's always been, he's uh, handing out those championship belts, meeting with the dudes around the state of South Carolina. It, it's it takes a lot to get those belts, man. Richie and I have uh, been begging for a belt for many, many uh, months uh, going back to last year. We haven't gotten ours yet. Maybe we need to step up our game. I know Miss B, who, who's probably listening in tonight, uh, graded me out as a C-plus average. So i got to step up my game if I want to get one of those belts. i got to try to get up to that A-plus. So it's going to take some work on my end. But, um, you know, we're, we're definitely going to keep going, and uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. All right, folks, we're uh, back at 8 o'clock. We just finished up in uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina. We just crossed, first crossed in the state today. Uh, we got Richie in. He's out at the uh, Deep Street Thursday game. What's going on, Rich? 
Hey, what's up, guys? So we're down here, of course, in uh, Berkeley. It's a great night for football. Monday night football at its finest. I mean, you think about high school football in the state of South Carolina, you got to imagine what would Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and Monday night all look like in one, and that's what we're getting here. We've got our game of the week that's going on right now. It is, unfortunately for the home team, not their night yet. It is early. They still have nine minutes left in the third quarter, but they trail 21-7 to to a rival team, Goose Creek. The Creek has done a great job throwing the ball around, getting it in the air, getting it in the end zone. If you go to our Twitter feed, at SO Sports Central, you actually see one of the runs that came right out the camera and into the end zone. Got to be honest with you, this is a, a very intense environment with not as many crowd as you would be used to here. There's a student section that normally is in the back of the end zone. That's not happening. There's not a band in the stands. But there are fans in the stands, and they're socially distanced by families. They've done a great job accommodating media like ourselves. You see a lot of other individuals here tonight because, again, this game will happen right now, and then come Friday night, these teams are going to get back after it. And here goes all of a sudden, I believe, waiting for the hands to go up. They're going to say he's just short for a touchdown, but he's around the one-yard line. So they're – Threatening to score Eugene with 8.15 remaining. They put him on the two. It's 21-7. And, again, we're waiting to see if they uh, can answer here. They come out of uh, halftime. This is their first try to get into the end zone, man. But you can hear it in my voice, man. It has been a great weekend of football. It's been Thursday to Monday, like I said. And I said this with uh, I said this with Reggie. On, uh, on, on Thursday night, we had some football. Friday night, we had some football statewide, even locally. And then Saturday night showdown, I got a chance to break in the ice with uh, a brand-new concept over Fort Dorchester for myself and Eddie Tilly, Clinton Robinson Sr. Of course, he is the professor on Sunday nights on the lab right on Southern Sports Central. We got a chance to do something that's kind of new to the area, and that is live TV. And uh, I know Oceanside does some great things over there as well. But, it's, again, man, it's just so good to be back in the stadiums. It's so good to be back around everybody that's got just one thing in common, and that is the love for the game of football, man. No doubt, buddy. Well, so far through the first, uh, I'll say almost three quarters, because I saw you got some time left on the clock. Uh, who's sticking out? I know uh, Goose Creek had to replace a superstar quarterback. Uh, you know, the, Berkeley's always got some dogs, especially on the offense and defense at the skill position. Um, you know, so uh, who's sticking out to you so far in this game? Well, I got to be honest with you, man. You know, Goose Creek, even though they're losing Manny McQuamu, they've got this young guy. I've never seen him before, but I tell you, he'll be a name tonight that many will remember him in the low country. Uh, I don't have a program in front of me, but this kid is throwing it like he's almost shooting a dart in the air and into the pockets of these receivers. I mean, you see that happening. Uh, you see the receivers. They, of course, lost one of those guys that's now doing uh, some big things at the next level. You know, these guys, I think they're average wide receiver at, uh, at Goose Creek seems to be, again, not with the program in my hand, seems to be around 6-2, man. So it looks like they've kind of uh, reloaded here. Yeah, and I know we've had one of them on the show who's uh, got a big-time commitment uh, who's already going to that next level. Uh, how's he looked today? Man, he looks great, man. He's a big, tall receiver. He's very, I would say, disciplined at his position. If he needs to block, he can become a blocker. If he needs to run, and decoy, he's decoying. I mean, he's doing all of the great things that you would want. Now, I don't want to undermine what you see in Trey Miner, who's the quarterback for Berkeley. This young man, remember last year, he broke his collarbone over there at Fort Dorchester. He's back as the starter tonight. He looks great. 
there's just some things that they need to work out. Remember, COVID is definitely, you know, you, you see it even out here as far as the, the rust that needs to come off. So, you know, uh, it's right now it looks like, and we're looking at fourth down, the ball's around the three, maybe the six. Actually, let's go six and uh, maybe the 16. Wow, so there's been some, some, some action on the other end of the field. But uh, I'm going to bring in, because I know you were having some issues getting in Ken Brown. He is the owner, founder, and the man behind all the madness ever at the South Carolina High School Blitz. And, Ken, by the way, I am supporting that team shirt tonight. I've got the chest where it says to the left, Southern Fourth Central. In the middle, my man, it says South Carolina, the High School Blitz logo. And, of course, our bowl game that's going to be happening in December, man. I've got a lot of luck, a lot of love, and, man, a lot of access between the two of us, man. I don't think there's many places that us two together can't go. That's awesome, man. I'm glad you glad you're rocking that gear tonight, man. I uh, got some more gear going out to some coaches and some players this week, and um, looking forward to the game. We're getting ready to announce the uh, rosters here pretty soon, and um, as soon as we do, man, we're gonna be getting rock and rolling. How's, how's the game going over there tonight? You know, it's a great it's a great atmosphere, man. Of course, it rained a little bit when we first got here, got settled up, and kind of got everything put in play. But once we, you know, once this thing kind of started off, by the way, it's senior night here, and I can, I, and I tip my cap to Berkeley and, and, and Mr. Steele and the coaching staff, of course, Mr. Steele's the principal, for getting this thing in here early. Here's a field goal, and it's going to be good. So it's going to now go 21 to 10 with 5.45 remaining here in the third quarter. Senior night here for the Berkeley Stags as they open up region play week one on a Monday night matchup, and it is the only game in town, maybe the only game in the state, Actually, it's not. I think Gracie Floyd's playing up there on the Grand Strand, but it looks good. Everything is uh, in order. The concession stands are open. They've got those mirrors up like you would see at the stores but uh, or, or the reflectors, whatever it is there. But, uh, man, it, it looks good. The teams look good. But, Ken, you can still see it. I know you were at a game over there with uh, Coach Early and his guys and uh, that guy that we know down there in Florida and uh, a close friend of his that plays on the other side. But, it still feels a little different here, and I know it's going to be a little hard to hear you, but uh, kind of talk a little bit about the game that you were at over there at, uh, in the upstate. Oh, man, it was awesome, man. Um, uh, uh, I call him Pistol Pete. He's everything. I mean, he can absolutely spin it. You know, that kid's going to – he's got a bright future ahead, and I've got tons of film on it. It's on him, and I've been sending it out to some little schools and stuff and talking to coaches. Uh, and then it, that is um, – Paulson brothers just as he's just as good. He plays DB and running back, and he's I mean, he's a he's a fireball too. And they're loaded. They're all young. It's a bunch of sophomores and juniors, and um, they're going to be something to reckon with next year. This year, they're, this year they're going to be good, but next year I think they're going to go deep in the playoffs because they they got everybody coming back. They got a six three receiver that's a uh, sophomore that's uh, really good, and they got a junior that's really good. Um, you know, some hard hitting going on. It was a great game. I, I left at halftime. I tried to get over to Warhol and Pickens game to get a little bit get a, get a little bit of that action, but I ran into a traffic jam. But I'm gonna get another game in this week. We're trying to get a game in every week. Um, get some footage on some kids, and 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 I was just shocked to see this running back over there that just absolutely blew my mind. Six foot three, two hundred twenty pounds, and he is absolutely gonna be a stud. The record. And got some great film on him, been sending it out. And uh, he should be, hopefully, I won't say it on the radio, but I'm pretty sure he'll be having an offer coming pretty soon, hopefully. Um, I'll be telling Coach, talking to Coach Ellie about it this week. And uh, he'll, uh, I think he'll like it. And uh, even even his kicker has got to have a couple offers come in. 
But it was nothing like it, man. It was just glad I was just glad to be back out on the field on Friday nights. I missed it like everybody else. It's nothing like South Carolina football. We got some of the best coaches around. We got some of the best athletes around. And you know, it's our job to get them out there as much as possible because our coaches are busy. They got families. You know, we just gotta keep pushing, get all our get all our kids all the exposure as possible. Um, you know, with the junior game coming up, the senior game coming, the senior the senior game is right after that. You know, a couple of weeks later, and we already got all the coaches lined up for getting all the uh, practice film and game film so they can evaluate the kids. Um, the senior game, you know, been on January, you know, it's going to be on January second. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, I think January first is supposed to uh, be counting by the no visits and coaches can come. So maybe. I know D two coaches can come, not the power five coaches, but they'll get that practice film and game film too, because that's what they all want and that's what they all talk about. Um, and I just can't wait, man. I'm 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 pumped. I've just been taking coach them and talking to them. And, and when I say that these two teams are absolutely stacked from the bottom to the top, when you guys see that roster, it's gonna blow your mind. It is well, I right now with Ben Brand, of course. Uh, <laughs> Ken is the founder of the South Carolina High School Blitz. Joining us here tonight on Southern Sports Central. This is uh, a company of one. We all have, uh, you know, maybe our own rides rolling in the same direction. And we have partnered up as of December 2019, coming into 2020. Not going to say we saw something coming, but we knew we needed to get tight together to make this move happen. And we were doing it in fashion. Uh, Ken, uh, Eugene asking the question of uh, have the rosters already been kind of finalized? And, and I know you're kind of coming through my my phone because of some connection issues back in the studio. It's hard to hear, but but tell us, when is that roster going to be released? Uh, and, again, tell us the date of this game that's going to be kicked off. The, the, the rosters probably, uh, will probably be released on that Monday, October the 12th. Um, we want to release it after the second week of the season and get some more film on some kids because we couldn't have our combine. So we're using these other two weeks to evaluate some kids. And and, and that and absolutely helped because there's a lot of them out there that you would have missed. And uh, and the game will be uh, December 19th, um, River Bluff High School. And um, the kids will check in on a Wednesday. And they'll stay for three days and, and play. Um, we have – we'll be having – Probably two or three guys at each place doing all the recording because, like I said, it, uh, these coaches are wanting this. They want this practice film so bad, uh, so we can't we can't miss anything. And we only going to have a limited space for like media coverage and stuff like that. Um, right. We only we only have about twenty twenty passes. They, they're mainly all you know, they already already basically gone already. Um, but that roster, yeah, it's, it's, we're going to release it on December or October the 12th, uh, and it is absolutely loaded. The the, the ballers that that's on there is just going to blow people's mind. It's going to be one of the best games. I think it'll be one of the best games around for a while because the cause just because of the the uh, talent level. You know, you got iron sharp and iron and stuff, and and um, everybody's good. You know, everybody's good. It ain't no I can take a playoff. You know, everybody's good. So. And that's what we're shooting for. We're shooting for, you know, what do you stack up? You know, okay, this kid here, you know, everybody say this kid's so good, this kid's so white. Well, uh, now you you got a, a, a top-notch tackle with a top-notch tackle. Uh, let's, you know, what do you stack up? D, uh, DBs and receivers. That's going to be a battle that I can't wait to watch because the DBs that you got and the receivers that you got is just, it's going to be a battle that's going to be unbelievable. And there's some spinners in that. Those quarterbacks, 
excuse me. Those quarterbacks, let me tell you, it's some, it's some great quarterbacks too. But every position is loaded. Even the kickers, I mean, it's everything is loaded. So, and I've got coaches texting and parents texting me about the Ross and stuff. And coach confirmed it a while ago. We will be going out on October twelfth. Um, he had he just added a couple more players. So yeah, uh, moving forward with it, and I can't wait, man. The belts are gonna be on order here. We got a couple sponsors coming in to, to sponsor some belts and stuff. So, but I'm I'm ready, dude. I tell you what, Ken, man, it's going to be a blast, and we're going to have again right here on Southern Sports Central, the, of course, partner right here is going to be able to air this game. So as soon as it goes to pregame all the way to the final quarter to the final interview, you're going to hear it live right here on Southern Sports Central. So you want to be around now. An update here in Monk's Corner at Berkeley High School. We're here at the game of the week. It is the Goose Creek Gators that come up here to start the season. Nevertheless, the best two teams in this region are seeing each other in week one against that of the Berkeley Stags. Now, this team right here, Berkeley, in the last four years, have only lost one conference game. One conference game in four years, and that was actually last year on the road to this same Goose Creek Gator team. But some good news after getting a, a an extra, excuse me, three points, Eugene. That's uh, your love language. They just got a special, actually got a safety. So it's now 21-12, to 12, third quarter, 323 remaining here in the third quarter. So, again, a uh, lot of action happening. Down here in the Low Country, we're glad to be able to bring it not only live during our broadcast, but have the man, the myth, and that legend in the upstate, Ken Brown. Now, Ken, how about that dog that was going to come in here? Now, we've had that big-time running back from Greenville. He's been uh, talking about getting heads and eating and feeding and doing all that great <laughs> stuff on the show with us before. But, boy, they got to change his name from uh, Big Dog to Mack Truck. That dude, I don't know who he ran over, but he made somebody a highlight reel in the wrong way. On yeah, the yeah, Tell us about that yeah. team and who they played. Uh, Greenville's loaded. Greenville is absolutely loaded. What people don't understand about Greenville is when 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 Coach Porter was over at uh, at uh, Hillcrest and they won the state, he he moved that whole staff. That whole staff is with him at Greenville, and they're loaded. And and uh, we call him K two. You know, Holland he he run over that kid, but uh, he if you, you just got to see him at DB. That kid is one of the best DBs around. He's a running back. Now he loves to play running back. But they, he played the whole, most of that game at uh, DB, and he will lay the wood. And I worked him out one day at the, down at the Croc Center and worked him out at Greenville. Excuse me. And, uh, what happens when you work all the time? You're tired. Yeah. Around, of course, uh, <laughs> you never sleep when you're chasing these big dogs yeah. around our state, brother. Exactly, yeah. And uh, we, was, we I worked him out on the field, and he went and ran his forward, and his vertical and stuff. And, and, and I was like, this kid, got, he's got all the tools. He's got all the tools. And then he started covering Jemias from Daniel, and I couldn't believe it. I said, I thought you was a running back. He said, I played defense too. And I told him, I said, you're probably going to be your next level. You're going to be DB. Because when they see you, they're going to want you DB because his hips are amazing. And, um, right. and, I, and But he li- he just likes contact. He loves right. contact. But Greenville is going to make some noise. They're going to go deep in the playoffs too. Now, of course, Greenville plays 4A football. We talked about uh, some 4A. Now, let's move around to 5A a little bit here. Dorman on the field Friday night. Let's hear about them. I know that uh, Burns got a big win. Spartanburg, how did they do? Give me some of the action, some of the recaps from 5A. Is uh, Of course, that's who these well, guys Burns down here in the lower set will be looking at. Burns is loaded. They loaded every year. They they got the, they got that running back over there, and he's just a monster. Uh, and, and he is just going absolutely – 
you, you take him and then you take the other kids from uh, from West Side, and in two years those gonna be probably the best two running backs in in the uh, state, uh, along with Anima. But um, but Burns is loaded every year. You know, you got you and to get to the state that with that region, you, you know, you got to go through Burns and Gaff and Dorman and all those guys. You got to bring your A game every week. Every week you got to bring your A game because I mean, all those teams are loaded. And Spartanburg, you know, they got Mahajo there now. He's got that new system over there from from Chapman and Chapman and Chapman's. Um, you know, they got, they got Coach Cabo there now, but Chapman, their offensive line coach was, you know, if you would just watch, if you know football and you just watch Chapman work, that offensive line controlled that whole controlled every game they played just about the way they blocked. I I honestly think that Spartanburg will be in the state championship game in the next two to three years because I, I, he'll turn it around that fast because he, he's he got his staff over there and, and Chapman's still clicking. They they absolutely still clicking. That defense is amazing. Cameron Gray, he, he's a beast. But all these teams up in the state, I mean, they've been balling. And, and I think I think with they coming for Dutch Fort this year, put it that way, because that's, that's the talk they they they're, they're coming for them because everybody, you know, Dutch Fork ain't losing anything and they still they still rolling. Hey, but I'm to, tell you something. hey, hey, I want you to send a word and I'm going to be a spokesman for my low country boys. Y'all go ahead and focus on Dutch Fork all you want, but there's some dogs down here that are hunting in the low country. So, overlook uh, these guys if you want. And trust <laughs> believe me, I'm out of school on a Friday night. Then trust me, I understand what happened last year, but that's last year. It's 2020, baby. A lot of strange things are happening. And there's oh, yeah. down here in the low country that say, oh, okay, focus on those guys if you want to. But at the end of the day, and I'm not taking anything away from Dutch Fork. I love those dudes. I watch them. I, you know, we, we have these guys on the radio with us. But, man, oh, man, you know, I can tell you that uh, it's a different year, man. And if it ever was a year to have something strange happen, it would be this year. And just like that, right. here comes a touchdown for Berkeley. They score with 53 seconds remaining here in the third quarter. It is now going to make that a uh, very interesting matchup because we got a ball game, ladies and gentlemen. It's 21-18, third quarter, 53 seconds, game of the week here in Monk's Corner. And I got to tell you, pending the extra point, which would put it at 19 or they go for two, I say you get to one. But, uh, Ken, I told you, man, this is 5A football down in the low country, man, like Monday night, man. It doesn't get much better than this. Hey, I got some balls down there, man. I can't do it. I'm I was so pumped Friday, man. I ain't, I'm not gonna lie. And and I got a game. I got. I, I probably got the Greenville game scheduled this week. I got a kid. I need to go there and get some film on. Uh, I like. I just like to get. You know, go to the game and just find the kid. I got a kid at Wall. I gotta get some film on. This kid. He, he's six foot three now. He was six six foot last year. He's a receiver now, and he's gonna be a good one. You know, I like finding that diamond in the rough. And I tell you. It's one up here in Anderson now that no, nobody knows about yet, and he is going to be a monster offensive lineman, six foot five, three hundred and ten pounds, and he's going to be a stud. He's in a private school right now playing ball, and he's going to transfer next year and play. And um, all he's got a couple of colleges already looking; they like him, but they want to see him with some better competition. You know his size and stuff, but he's great. And I got him hooked up. I got him hooked up with training built, so I'll start training. And I'll get his, you know, get his body ready and stuff, and and um, but he, I, I, before he did anything, I asked him. I said, if I send you a film of this kid, will you tell me if because I think he has what it takes to be a good offensive lineman? He said, yeah, man, he he has it. He just needs some coaching. 
you know, they got volunteers over there. Um, some guys don't even never coach football, so he, he just kind of like, uh, you know, he's in a good situation, but he just needs that extra arm. And you can't go wrong with training with those guys. Those guys are going to push you. They're going to take you how it is. And I mean, just like with um, with uh, Pistol Pete, you know, we hooked him up with Ramon for training. And uh, mm-hmm. he, he's just going to be even better because once he once he mows him a little bit more, because let me tell you, that cat can absolutely spin it. He can absolutely spin it. And uh, he's going to be, um, he's going to be, um, um, and he just got here, so he won't be you know, on the team, but he will be, he'll be at the game and, um, and, um, and all that good stuff. And, but he's, he will definitely be making some noise next year. Because, the you know, next year we have the tribal and the uh, North South game back. So then I can move the, I can move the, the uh, senior bowl back up state. And, um, and if you don't make one of those, he can, you know, can, but most likely I'm pretty sure he's going to be in the North South or the Shrine Bowl next year. Because the kid can absolutely ball. He can absolutely ball. He can spin it. And, but the, he's so smart. He, I, when he, uh, Coach said he was smart, and his dad, he said, you, you just got to watch him. And, they, and they're right. When you watch him play, He's, he's like a coach on the field, and he, and, and he, and he, he throws in the tight windows and stuff, and he's just a, he's just a Drew Brees kind of quarterback. And um, he, he, he's my dude, man. You know, we talked on the phone and everything and talked to his dad a couple times, and he, I told him, I said, well, let me – I watched his huddle, and I said, well, let me watch his huddle, and then I'm going to send it to a couple coaches. So I talked to six coaches. I said, all right, I got a kid that's moving up from Florida, and he wants to find a place, and – um Every one of them was like, oh, yeah, I want to go with And I asked him, I said, what area you want to live in? Because they need to know that if you want to move to Anderson. So I called Coach Early up. She, you know, Coach Early saw the family. He said, yeah. He said, I'd love to have him, too. So he called around and talked, he talked to all the coaches and stuff, and they was all wanting him. And then, you know, he got an email from Tom Knox. He was wanting him. You know, but the kid is a baller, man. He, he, he's going to be. It's gonna be one of those times that uh, one of those kids that uh, everybody's gonna be talking about. You know, they got a they got an office line over there. I think he's got the App State offer now. He's he's a big kid. And uh, the West Side, the West Side Warhol game is the one I want to see. But I will be out of town that 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 weekend, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna have to miss it. So I'm gonna have somebody there watching it. But that game is gonna be. It's gonna be so. That game will be so good. I cannot wait to watch it. I can't wait. The whole thing. Well, Mr. Hope Brown, I'll, this I'll is get, uh, Eugene. Get some live films to the game, hopefully. Well, Mr. Brown, this is Eugene. Uh, I'm back here at the studio. I got the uh, Ravens game on, and uh, with the Chiefs while Richie's out uh, having fun watching the football. You mentioned Coach uh, <laughs> Early seeing a West Side. Now I saw a film. You know I. I train kickers, and I saw this film with this guy named Bryce Fidley you mentioned earlier, uh, a kicker for that team. I'm guessing it's the same last name, so they must be kin in some way. Uh, is there mm-hmm. – Is there? I guess uh, Scott Early must not uh, – can buy that boy some cleats. What's he out there doing kicking field goals and tennis <laughs> shoes, man, on the field? That's his thing, man. That's his thing. That's his son. That's his thing. And uh, he booted, what, what, 45, 47 yards? And he kicked. I mean, three slapped through the end zone, and he's got a cannon on him. And I've been watching yeah, him kick for years, you know, the video cat, but now he's going to got lanky, and he's got that whip in that leg. And, uh, yeah, he's he got the leg speed. 
he put that shoes. video out of a 42-yarder he kicked with uh, tennis shoes on, and everybody's kind of looking at each other. You know, some of the guys I see, yeah. what's he doing wearing tennis shoes on the field? But uh, <laughs> I guess he's got that magic shoe that feels right because he put it right down the middle from 42 yards out. It was an impressive shot. Mm-hmm. But I just uh, I thought that was kind of funny, the boys out there shaking in tennis shoes. And he does it all the time. So he, he, he's over there training all the time. My, my buddy Kenny, he's the ticket coach over there. And he um, he trains those guys. And, and he's, just got, he's got great techniques and stuff. He showed these kids. He got a, he's got a kid coming up now in the ninth grade. Probably, he may be – he's moved from Georgia and moving to South Carolina. He, he comes over and trains on Sundays. He's going to be going to West Side next year, I think. And um, he's kicking 40 and 50 yarders already. And and he was telling me about him the other day, but I'll get to I'll get to see him um, see him this weekend hopefully in person and uh, watch him kick some. But Kenny 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 Gordon one of the best you know kicker coaches around, and he he works with those guys all the time, man. But but, but Scott's loaded this year. I got to give him credit. He is he's loaded when he's got that strut on the sideline. <laughs> you know you know he's got some of his sleeve. <laughs> Yeah, and I remember him uh, back in his days in Lexington in the Midlands region, uh, you know, and then he, uh, I believe, if I, if you can correct me, but I think he went to Georgia or somewhere else for a while without a coaching or, or did something. But uh, so what's, what, what's he telling you? What's the feel like uh, being back in South Carolina and coaching high school football? Oh, he loves it, man. He loves it. You know, he, he's the director for the North-South game. Uh, we've been friends for years. You know, um, he plays golf. I play golf. Play golf and, and I play a lot of tournament golf. He don't he don't play no tournament. He he, uh, he plays golf. We we just we just hit it off. When we first when when he, we first met, you know, he was like, I need you to do one thing for me, you know. And I was like, what's that? Because just you know, we were talking about the games and stuff, and you know, and he's behind everything. He was pushing me after the senior game I had. He was like, he said, you got to give me a junior game. You got to give me a junior game. And I was like, okay, okay, you got it. So he. He the one that kind of got the got the ball rolling on that for me, pushing me and stuff. And you know, I met with Jerome McFingers. I had to meet with him in Columbia and, and uh, go through all the tape with the high school league and stuff and get everything hashed out with those guys. And it was it was just like a match made in heaven because um, honestly, without Scott behind me, it would be hard to do it. I mean, do a lot of stuff that I do. Um, but hey, it's a good partnership. You know, I love him like a brother. You know. Yes, sir, no doubt. Now, I know you uh, cover a lot of the teams in the upstate. That's kind of your home base, as we talked about. Um, one of the biggest surprises to me, a team that I thought was going to make a lot of noise, was uh, Malden, and it, they came up a little short Friday. I don't know if you got to have a chance to break down that game, but I was just going to ask you for your thoughts on that. And, uh, you know, where do you see them going forward? Do you see them bouncing back? You know, I just know they have a they have a good bit of talent. I'm not saying they can play with the likes of a of a Gorman or something like that, but you know, I just really had high expectations of Malden, and I was just wondering if you got any insight on that game. I lost. I couldn't hold a hoot on that one. Yeah, Ricky. Let me um. Uh, Yeah, it was kind of hard to hear, Richie. Uh, the, the the announcer was talking. Yeah, it's kind of hard to hear there. because he's coming through our phone, guys. Just so you guys are yeah. listening here, he wasn't able to get in. But uh, you know, get, try, as soon as this guy's done talking, I'll go ahead and hopefully he's kind of breaking down. And again, this is uh, live radio, and it doesn't get much better than this. If there was ever a time 
you wouldn't want to have some back noise. It would be live at a football game because I can promise you back in July, we didn't think this was going to happen. But, Eugene, kind of get it in quick, buddy. Yeah, I was asking uh, your thoughts on that Malden team. I really thought those guys were going to make some noise. I know they came up a little bit short, and I was wondering if you had a chance to look at that film or, or, or see what happened that game and your thoughts from Malden uh, going forward. It's getting emailed to me as we uh, – it's probably out of here. I'm getting an email from the coach about it. Um, but his test ain't no joke. That's a rivalry. I mean, you got to think. that Those schools are just literally right down the road from each other, and those kids – been playing rec ball together growing up and stuff, and, and that's a rivalry game. And Hillcrest, Hillcrest has always got good, you know got good players over there, just like Malden. And um, I was, you know, I I, I kind of I thought you know that, uh, Malden would pull it out, and I got I got a Malden game on my schedule this year, um, and I'm gonna go check them out and uh, see you know and um, see how it goes. But uh, Hillcrest, I'm gonna definitely go check one of their games out now, and I got a. Uh, I got a couple games, and in, in, in I got. A, I'm going to North Florida Beach, uh, River Bluff, and a couple other places. Chester. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I got to go to Chester. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I got a lot of every Friday night. I'm hitting the game, so <laughs> it's a lot of traveling, right? But I love it. I love it, and I, you know, I, I got lucky. You know, me and Rev has been friends for a while. He, you know, he's coaching junior college ball, and I said, "Hey, man." You know, he's like, man, I, I would love to come on and start covering this area. I said, you got it. That saves me on traveling. Now I got my boy Rich down there. You know, we covered uh, Charleston area, so it's all coming together. And um, and and now, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to move. You know, what I'll come by is next year. We're going to move them around upstate, lower state, Charleston area and stuff. Get get, get more things going in Charleston and stuff like that. And um, Got got this huge, huge, huge one more thing that we've got coming out in March, but we you know we're still holding on to it. Uh, Adidas is going to be sponsoring it. I do know that, and I just got to wait until I can announce it until they hash out everything. But it's going to be absolutely gigantic, <laughs> and it's going to be really, really big. So what we're going to do is have one up here. At Westside, and then the next one we're gonna have in Charleston, so we'll be having two. Um, so it's gonna be a busy summer. We got we got a real busy summer coming up, and it keeps me busy every day talking to people and and uh, getting everything organized and stuff, and and you know trying to find some land to build a facility. And what's that? What's that? That's the next step, you know, to have a facility, turf fields and stuff. So that's Another thing we're looking into. And, uh, but. You there? I'm not sure if Eugene can hear us. I don't know if he's uh, he's with us, Ken. It's hard to tell. I'm not. I, actually, again, I'm not in the studio, man. So, Eugene, if you can hear us, chime in a little bit here. Uh, you know, with yeah. Uh, and, and again, I'm okay. You can't hear us. Okay, he was. I didn't know if you were here. If you were able to hear him there, but. Uh, kind of give you an update here. It's 10:35 remaining fourth quarter, 28-19. Now there was a great pass down the sideline, but something happened back behind the line of scrimmage. So they basically ended up what was a first and ten on the 30 inside the Goose Creek 30. Berkeley, of course, was marching towards the schoolhouse. Now all of a sudden, it was uh, moved all the way back about a 15-yard loss, so maybe a personal foul there, personal penalty there. And was now second and ten on the thirty, second and four on the thirty-two. But uh, again, ten oh six remaining here in the fourth quarter. This is the game of the week as we are live here on location. Eugene back up there in the studios. 
in North Charleston. We got the man who was uh, the other half, maybe the better half, better looking half up there in the upstate. That's Ken Brown hanging out with us in the uh, Greenville area. We're talking about all of the great things that are happening with not one company, but two companies. And, and, you know, you talked about this a little bit earlier, Ken, and that is that the media passes are all but given out. And here's, let me tell you something, guys that are listening, I echo this with Ken and I. We have a very tight circle. We believe in what we believe in. We do it the right way for the right reasons. Those are the kind of people we're going to surround ourselves by. Be it Carolina experience, like the cat that's on my head. Be it the shirt that's on my chest with the left side is Southern Sports Central. Dead Square is going to be, of course, the South Carolina High School Blitz. Be it the guys over Infinity, Infinity Camp, where they're getting ready to do some things. And we're going to bring these guys in to talk about some camps in Virginia. Because, you know, Virginia and, and, and North Carolina aren't playing football. So we're going to help these guys get the word yeah. out that they've got some opportunities. And, of course, you know, EP training. You, you heard him right there, Ramon Robinson, Coach McGowan, you know, uh, Coach Chachi. You know, those guys who oh, are yeah. incredible at, at what they do. And they are all together. We are all together as one, one big family. Oh, yeah. We might roll in different cars, but trust and believe me, these cars are rolling together as one in that same direction, Ken. And I tell you, man, you nailed it. You know, by bringing in the gentleman who just joined us at 730, he's actually listening still right now. And he did a great job. I, I talked to him personally before because, you know, Ms. V is not feeling well, so we'll keep her in our mm-hmm. thoughts and prayers. But uh, she'll be back. She's too stubborn to sit down and lay down, so she'll be back <laughs> hopefully by Thursday to do her show. If not, I told her I'd cover it. But, you know, uh, really, Ken, did you ever imagine when you started this thing that, that you and I would cross paths and other guys – and girls would cross our path to do what we're doing uh, as we continue I, I, to really get this momentum. I, I, when I first started, I really, I really was not even – I couldn't even imagine how big this thing was going to get to go from literally within three months, it went from just, you know, filming a couple of kids because I had a you – know, I still had from playing ball, had a bunch of contacts with coaches and stuff. And, hey, man, you know, check this kid out, you know, send him to video and stuff. Literally went from that to all of a sudden all these coaches are calling themselves, and then that's why I had to go check out some more, and it just exploded. And then and then went, and I've been knowing Bobby Ramon and since we all played ball together, and so we took my contacts to their contacts, and we just combined this little hub because you and people just don't understand how many coaches and contacts that those guys have. You know, I have a lot too, but they have Chachi. Oh my goodness. That's a whole different animal. <laughs> I'm, I can tell you right now with Chachi, uh, I see, I, I showed him my book. He, I said, well, here's my contact. He looked at his smile. He said, that's nice. Here's mine. It's like a phone book. <laughs> I was like, I got like 75 coaches that I talked to. This dude's got like 400. He's got, he's literally, he, he, Ramon and Bobby has literally got every coach. They can call any coach on this planet and talk to them. Any of them. And I got access to them too. But and I got my I got my my circle that I talked to and we and we just hooked up with uh, Tussle another day. He was at the Chapman game and he saw one of my guys there and he's like, Hey, can I text him? He texted me and stuff. We chatted up. He said, Hey, you know, I got my eye on such a kid and blah blah blah. You know, and I was like, Yeah, cool. Let's uh, you know, let's talk. So we we've been talking a little bit. And it's just it's just that chemistry, you know, having the right guys around, and and uh, you got you got to have the, you got to have the right guys, and you got to have that contact. You got to have you got to be able to steer kids in the right direction. There's so many people out there that don't that do it the wrong way, and uh, just out to take kids' money or stuff like that. 
And uh, and everybody know I don't charge these kids for anything. I don't care about charge. I don't I don't even think it's right to even charge a kid for a lot of the prices I see these people charging because the kids have more stuff to deal with than we and going out having to pay for all this stuff. So, right. But it, it is it is a great family. We got a good circle. We got a good group of guys. Uh, I don't think I don't think Reeves understand how much he's coming. He's he don't understand when those games come up and he had to be at the hotels and checking kids in and and uh, Reeves checking with the coaches and but it's fun. It, that that senior game last year it was such an experience. It was so fun. But yeah, the adults from that that little bit of time where it just exploded literally. Overnight is just crazy, and I mean, I I, I love the fact that I right, I see this kid. I I give you an example. I got a kid right now. I mean, his coach talk, and I said this kid is going to be good. We just got to get him some, you know, outside coaching. And he's like, yeah, I don't have time to do it. So he's working with a guy now. And if this kid, uh, the college like, hey, don't tweet him out, don't put him out there. So we won't, we, you know, we want we want to wait until he gets ready. Because they know, and I know, as soon as they offer, other schools going to offer. And that's, like, that's just how it works. As soon as one college offers, the other one's going to see it, and they're going to follow in the offer. I'm telling you right now, this kid is going to be something. He is going to be a stud. And I can right. tell you right now, uh, when when Georgia, when Georgia State offers him, everybody else going to come pouring in. But they like, you know, and I tell these, you know, I tell the kids, you know, and the kids put a lot into it. I mean, when I was being recruited, I always liked that that first. When my first offer was Clemson, you know, that was my first offer in the playing DB. Um, but we didn't have the training back then that these kids have now, with these trainers and stuff. You know, all, the, all we got some of the best coaches in South Carolina. They got all the connections. Then you put that hub in there with all these trainers that train these kids that play college ball, and they got all the connections. So there's no reason in the world we can't get all these kids some kind of you know, get them all the exposure they need to help them get out to college. But I, but this year is gonna be it's, it's gonna hurt the twenty one kids because those guys in college they get they get another year. This like this year don't even count. So you take say take Clemson, they um they 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 gonna start shutting down recruiting right you know for a while because they don't have nowhere to put kids. Because if, if nobody goes pro or nothing just stays in school, what they go what are they gonna bring them in and put them? You know and what what these kids gonna gather and. Uh, so yeah, twenty one, twenty one is going to you know, COVID thing kind of messed up some things. And I can tell you right now, y'all going to be shocked. I'll tell you when you get off air, but y'all going to be shocked when you hear who's going to commit to Jacksonville to, to be on Sunday. It's going to blow everybody's mind. <laughs> he has, he I kind of have a bad, I have a feeling who you're thinking about, and he has come into South Carolina. He has come into South Carolina, and that draft still has. He's got about three. I'm talking monster ballers, and I'm like, do what? Yeah, and they and they seriously like. I think I'm gonna go play. I'm gonna play. But I'm not surprised because it's, he's you know he's got connections in the game time. He's, he's got been connections. in the state of South Carolina. So I mean, he's got yeah, connections. And, and who's and that's looking what back at this thing? And what about Florida State? If you're Florida State right now, and, and, and you're thinking to yourself, wow, I didn't give this guy a chance because he doesn't have a what? At the end exactly. of the day, he's a football coach. He's a football genius, and he was at mm-hmm. your school who put your school on a bigger map than it was before he got there. Now what he's going to do is going to go get the dudes that you need. Evidently, because you went down <laughs> to the U and got wore out. Now, guess what? They're going to Jacksonville State. They're going to be Gamecocks. It's just be yep. a different type of Gamecocks. Yep. 
And he and I'm telling you, dude, he gonna make some noise too. Because you know and I know, it don't matter where you play at now, the NFL will find no, it. No sir. If you good enough, hey, look. If you good enough. <laughs> If you can ball out, you can show out, you can go to the next level. And you saw that at USCW. You've seen that at USC Charlotte. Yeah. You've seen that at Liberty. You've seen it at Coastal. And look, I'll be honest with you, man. These smaller schools are doing bigger things than, than, than when we've oh, seen them in a long time. Because all these top kids are staying down there. You just watch to see what Brandon Bennett do down there, or Braylon Bennett do down there at Coastal. They had a kid out there at Dalton playing the other day in the uh, NFL. And even the announcers couldn't believe it. But yeah, but right. yeah, Dale's gonna make some noise because he he is he he's in South Carolina. He's he's talking to some of these big time ballers, and he's gonna get them. And, and and you know, and I know, when you play in college ball, if you if you got a coach that's got connect all those connections in NFL, and that's your dude to go to NFL. Hey, <laughs> can't blame him. Can't blame him. So yeah, I can't. Well, Mr. Brown, it's gonna blow some people's uh, mind. I mean. <laughs> Mr. Brown, this is uh, Eugene again. It's about eight forty-five. We got we uh, ran over a break because you had so much good stuff, man. And uh, we're gonna try to finish up here in just a minute. Uh, we're definitely gonna let you get back to. You said you had some film to review, so we're gonna let you get to that and uh, yeah. all the fifty hundred things you got on your table probably before you hit the bed. I'm guessing you probably hit the bed in a couple hours after you get some of the stuff done and table some more things tomorrow, man. Just want to appreciate everything you do, Miss V. Uh, you know all the guys with the with the SC Blitz team. It's been a great partnership. It's been a great experience for us to keep rolling. You know we're rolling the boat in the same direction. And that direction is you know trying to get these kids to the next level, man. And just it's been yeah. great to have you on. I know this isn't your favorite thing to do, but you definitely enjoy you know the part of helping these kids out. Again, uh, have a great night. Just to update you, uh, Kansas City's up six to three. But uh, Lamar is uh, running the ball at will, so it should be a, a good game uh, the rest of the night. Maybe uh, they'll put up some more points here soon. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it, man. I love being with you guys. All right, buddy. Will you stay safe? Hey, man, keep, hey, hey, buddy, hey, keep your eye on these dudes out here in the, in the low country, bro. I'm going to tell you that. Hey, buddy. I will, my man. Hey, I hear. I, I love it. There's a, It's down here. It's 48-19-608. Stay looked up over there at Southern Sports Center on our Twitter account. We'll keep you up to date, man. But uh, I look forward to catching up with you, Ken. I, I kind of echo what, what Eugene just said, man. It, this has been such a great journey, and it just began. You and I talked multiple times throughout the day, you know, bringing in different oh, yeah. dudes. You know, of course, we brought in Everett Sands over here. Now he's part of the family with all of us. You know, I brought Ms. V. Now she does her thing on Thursdays. I've got Brandon Visco being, who's the voice over there at Carolina Force on Friday nights, but now he does his show on Friday mornings. I've got a guy who has got a radio voice like I've never heard before, and that's the professor. He does, you know, Saturday, Sunday night stuff with us here. I mean, all the dudes and, and, and individuals that we bring, that you bring, that, that we work together. And here's kind of the funny part that guys may not realize is that nobody comes in their circle without the, the, the group sitting down together going, hey, is this a good fit? They might be good people, but it might not be a good fit. And we do sit down. We have these conversations, and again, it's a, it's a, it's definitely almost like uh, the Sopranos as we sit down to make sure that we're moving in the right direction with the right people. No, no, it's no doubt, man. It's no doubt, and we just don't keep pushing forward. I want, I, I, I think I, I want to get it so when, when people talk recruiting, they don't, they don't skip over South Carolina. You know, we're right there with the Floridas and Georgias and stuff because our kids, man, they, our kids deserve it. We got some of the best athletes in the state. It was so much good football played Friday, man. It was unbelievable. It was it was unbelievable because those kids was itching to get on the field. 
They was itching to get on the field. You had coaches that was itching to go out there and get the coaches. I was itching to go out there and get me some film. <laughs> and, you know, and just to see it and just to see that buzz, man, it was just it was just so good, man. And I was just sitting there thinking, man, we got some of the best athletes in this state. And um, we just got to keep pushing, man. Just keep pushing. Keep pushing. And now we got, you know, we got um, – a lot of good coaches is coming in this state looking at these kids and stuff, man, and, and, and that that helps out a lot. That helps out a lot. And you know, they can't talk to the kids yet and stuff, but you know, we can we you know, we can chat with them and talk to them and send film and stuff and get back feedback and and um some of the coaches, man, that you know, they're just so they're just so funny, you see you know, they crack jokes and stuff, but I love it. I absolutely love it, man. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. All right, big man. Well, you have a good night. And, uh, Richie, uh, uh, we're going to let Mr. Brown go and get some rest or, or watch that film before he hits the bed, man, update us on the game. All right, so uh, down here in Monk's Corner, they're punting it off. Goose Creek is punting it off to uh, Berkeley. The Stags have uh, opened up region play, the season play. It's all happening right here on the field with uh, 550 remaining. It's a 28-19 lead. For the Stags, and, and you know it got good quick, man, because they came out. Berkeley came out hungry. They they got a safety, they got three points, they got a touchdown. So all of a sudden, it was everybody 1921. But you know, when you got a team on the other side, and and I got to be honest, Goose Creek, while they lost Manny McQuamu, while they lost a few other dogs that are out there hunting in college on Saturdays and Thursdays and some other days. They reloaded in a lot of position. They got wide receivers, and they're in all white tonight, by the way. Goose Creek's got the white helmet, the white shirts, the white pants and socks. It, they look a lot taller maybe than they are because that one scheme definitely can bring that out. On the other side, it, it, it's Berkeley. They look traditional, and uh, here's a pass overthrown, attended to number 10 for the Stags. But, you know, they've got that famous gold helmet, that famous blue jersey pants and the and, and, and the course top and they've got that gold numbers on the front of them and, and the tradition here is really neat man because they run out of this room uh the gym as they sit there and they hit this deer uh you know the deer crossing sign and that's kind of their thing there's a few other traditions i think that they do here but because of COVID 19 they're not able to do that they're not able to put that out there so what they are able to put out is a, a good performance again with 5:45 remaining. It is 28 to 19. It's now a uh, second and 10. Goose Creek is on defense. Berkeley's on offense. They're on their own 24-yard line, and they're coming towards uh, the gymnasium. If you're familiar out here with this area, but man, it's just it's been a great weekend of football, and we keep talking about it. Uh, we'll be actually at uh, a game on Thursday. It uh, we'll probably be checking in live. Hopefully, Ms. V will be doing her show the South Carolina High School Blitz Sports Show on Thursday. That's starting at uh, 6 o'clock. But from 6 to 9, you'll be able to uh, hear her and all her great, you know, interviews that she'll be setting up. They will be over there in North Charleston as uh, Coach Call and the Oceanside Landsharks will be traveling over to take on North Charleston in that brand-new stadium. So we're going to be a guest there on Thursday night. Uh, our game of the week, actually, is at Fort Dorchester, where this same Goose Creek team is going to come in here after a short week of play and have to turn around and play one of the powerhouses in the state, and that is Fort Dorchester Patriots. I'll be broadcasting on the TV screen, actually. So uh, you'll be getting some live feeds from me during the breaks. That'll be kind of neat. 
And, uh, Eugene, I know uh, you actually have off Friday night from where you usually are. So where are you heading this Friday, man? i got to send you somewhere. You don't, get a, you don't get a night off. You know that, right? <laughs> well, I've already been hit up to uh, to either come over to Stratford, but then the Stratford's already uh, asked me for the November game. So this Friday night, uh, I haven't decided yet. I have a few offers. I don't want to put it out there because I know some of my guys are listening. I want to. I don't want one to feel like if I choose one. Unfortunately, I have four offers, and I don't want to choose one, and the other guys feel a little slighted. So we'll talk about it tomorrow afternoon and uh, with those guys. We'll have a little training session and uh, and see where I end up. It may end up – it may depend on travel and who's playing what and whatnot. But um haven't decided yet. Uh, I, there's a lot of great games, and I just – you got me on the spot because I know sometimes some of my guys get done with stuff and listen in. And, uh, but yeah, I have a – about four offers to ten games. Uh, I didn't want to go to the hand-to-hand game. I'd like to see Blake play, but um, I just felt like uh, this, until they play Oceanside, I didn't want Coach Craig to think of anything that I was doing anything wrong or whatnot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put the hand-to-hand game. I'll get to see him live when Oceanside plays them. But um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely either looking at the Strapper game or some of the others. Yeah, no doubt, and I understand that. I mean, you know, the thing is, and I'm going to tell you, for what you do and, and a great job in your Low Country Kicking Academy, and, uh, you know, you, you get the opportunity to work out with so many great guys, and you get to see so many great things. And, I, you know, you and I will talk more about that off the air, about some things and maybe some advice I can give you, man, because I know it's hard. You know, I'm in that position as well. I'm very fortunate that I'm bonded, you know, uh, to the school that I went to on Friday nights doing the TV production, and that's been a blast. You know, but you do get a chance for me because I don't specialize in a certain position. I kind of get a chance to deal with all these dudes. And actually, you'd actually do a lot more with the special teams. I'm part of the show here on uh, Southern Sports Central. But it does give me a chance, an opportunity. So, like, I got to see on Friday night when I was there, I got to see the guys over there at, well, Ashley Ridge. I got to meet Coach Shane Filler for the first time. I got a chance to meet his wife, who, of course, they just had a child uh, right before he got here and took over the, uh, the, the head role over there at Ashley Ridge. So, Got a chance to talk to Hampton uh, Smith, who's been a big-time uh, guy here on our show. And so it's been a neat concept. It's been neat to be able to cross and see. And for me, it's a, you know, it's, it's a very humbling opportunity for me to, to see all of the things I get a chance to see. So, you know, here tonight, even, matter of fact, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, I've already talked to the, the Berkeley head coach, who he's been in with us multiple times, Coach Wonset. Of course, he uh, looks at this point to be the coach that may be getting uh, the most positive interview here coming out of this is they uh, are winning 28-19, 40 remaining here in the fourth quarter. And uh, we'll get that interview up and running on Southern Sports Central uh, over there at SO Sports Central on Twitter. So, uh, you know, it's just neat, man. What we have is a gift. What we have is an opportunity, a platform to do what we get a chance to do. We'll be, like I said, Thursday night at, at one stadium. On Friday, we'll be at multiple stadiums. So, you know, I'm just looking well, forward to the growth. I'm looking forward to the opportunity. As I said, somebody was listening. I just got a message that uh, Stratford's going to be at Cane Bay, and that's something you and I talked about earlier. And, and Kevin Billadu and I talked about with uh, there's no love lost in between the teams when they split them up, much like, you know, Somerville and Fort D and Somerville and Ashley Ridge. So I just got a text. <laughs> there's a. Now, I might could get a spot. I might could get a seat at the uh, Stratford at Cane Bay on Friday night. So that's a, that's a tempting one. I'll put it that way. Like I said, I love Blake. If he's listening, man, I know I love you. Know I love you. I just feel like uh, I'll see you on the field when we, when Oceanside plays, and definitely uh, want to hit you up and want to see a game after that. 
But uh, for the for the varsity guys, you know, I just uh, boy, that that just sounds like an intriguing game at Cane Bay on Friday night. Good, maybe I'll send you there. Maybe I get maybe. Here's what I'm gonna do, Eugene. I'm gonna pull the card. You ready? I'm sending you right now. I'm gonna tell you your assignment for Friday night is Cane Bay and Stratford. You tell your guys that Rich made me do it. I'll take the hit for it. No worries. But that's a game I think you need to be at. It has great storylines. It's gonna have great action. It's gonna be two teams. Denny, of course, he's been on the he's been on here with us as well. He's coming out of a big win against Somerville. That's gonna be a lot of fun, uh, you know. So so go ahead and 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 just tell the other guys you're coming. And you may have to sacrifice a little bit on some other Friday nights. Again, man, that's part of what we do, bro. You gotta sacrifice a little bit. But I just got an opportunity to see a legend walk by me. David Shelton walked by me about five seconds ago. I'm gonna get off the air with you and go get his autograph. He is one of the legends here in the Low Country, but uh, and I mean that with all kid, all serious aside. Because I'm telling you, he is an incredible, an incredible man who has overcome so much. You know, he's dealt with his own health issues during this COVID thing. So, guys, on behalf of me to all of you, Eugene, have a great night. You've done a great job, man. I'm very blessed to have you part of our team, and we'll talk to you guys soon. But again, don't forget tomorrow night you will hear West Foundation Sports Show with, of course, with Everett Sands at a kickoff at six o'clock. Uh, Eugene, but have a good night, buddy. Yeah, man, and I appreciate it. Uh, uh, the Chiefs just scored, and so now we're at 12. Looks to be kicking the extra point, be 13-3. to three. Just started about tw- uh, 12 minutes and 52 seconds in the third quarter. Chiefs seem to be rolling, man. You know, the Ravens seem to be running the ball well. Uh, Lamar's running the ball well. Haven't seen a whole lot of the passing game. You know, sometimes when things are working, you don't need to abandon it. But, uh, wow, this seems to be – this is a really interesting play. Looks like a little underhand toss from Mahomes up the field. I know uh, Reggie and I were talking about that earlier. He's just adapting, and Mahomes is one of those guys that just kind of plays a little bit of street ball sometimes on the field, and uh, wow, that was an amazing, amazing play. But um, it's been a great show, uh, you know, here at Southern Sports Central. It's been a great platform. Love what we do here. You know, we kicked it off early uh, tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, we got the things rolling, and when I said we got it rolling, we got it rolling fast. We hit Myrtle Beach. We had in Brandon Biscobine. Bisco Bing, sorry about that, Brandon, uh, who covers, uh, you know, high school football up in the uh, Grand Strand area. His home base is with the Carolina Force and is on their sideline covering. He's the voice of the uh, Carolina Force Panthers on Friday. and uh, But he, he gave us some good insight on some of the schools and programs there in the uh, uh, Grand Strand, Horry County, you know, that kind of area. Uh, 6.30 went to Kevin Billadoo with Live 5 Sports. It was great to have him on all on, you know, like you said, you know, he tried to cover some games Friday, got bounced around due to the weather, like we all did. You know, we talked about some of the makeup games on Saturday. Here's the Monday night game Richie's at. 7 o'clock, went up to Charlotte. Sat down with uh, Reginald Walker Jr. He joins us every week. Covered some college, some high school, some NFL, you know, some things going on, just all over sports. He's just a guy that, he's just that dude, our, our go-to guy when it, you know, when there's not certain level of, of athletics to cover. He's just kind of a guy that covers, you know, athletics and policy. Um, 7.30, we welcomed a new member of the family in and uh, went up to the Rock Hill area with the high school blitz team, and that was really cool to get to know him. Uh, Miss V's was feeling under the weather. We're sending our love, thoughts, and prayers. Want her to get back because, you know, as, if you join the family, you join the team, you know that Miss V's the one that keeps us rolling. She keeps everybody kind of clicking and ticking and she kind of runs things from from a from an arm's length, but now she's kind of stepped to the role. Uh, we certainly have made this uh, family a little more uh, attractive, so to speak, because you know she she's just a wonderful, wonderful person with a big heart. 
I know all the athletes around the state love having her around, love her voice, love and miss her hugs. We send our best out to Miss V. Uh, 8 o'clock, we hit Mr. Ken Brown, the founder of High School Blitz. He's up in the upstate. And he joined us here. And, uh, you know, we took it up. It's supposed to be a 30-minute segment. Uh, Mr. Brown was exhausted, but what he normally does, he just powers through. Powers through because he believes in the cause and the and, and what we're doing here, and that's to support all these high school kids. You heard a lot about some of the kids from the upstate. Uh, Mr. Brown's going to watch some film. He said he just got emailed film from the Molding game. He wanted to take a look at some guys. He's got some other guys that, you know, he's looking at. He's going to be hitting some re- recruiting uh, uh, channels here soon for some guys around the state. So if you're out there listening, you want to be part of the SC Blitz family, if you want those phone calls made on your behalf, all you got to do is go to the website, go to our Twitter account, click the website for SC Blitz, get your butt registered, get your information in there, link your film. You'll get some film grades if you want that. You got some elite coaches. You heard them talk about that. There are Rolodexes, phone books. Of, of coaches at the next level. There's opportunities out there that you got to do your work. On behalf of Richie, myself, Fort Central, we just want to thank you guys for joining in and listening, being a part of the group. Uh, you guys stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, Everett Sands will be on tomorrow night. We'll follow back up on Wednesday with Southern Sports Central from 6 to 9. And then, of course, on Thursday night, Miss B will have her show. Uh, everybody stay tuned. Stay, stay safe. Uh, be well. Uh, enjoy the high school football. Hopefully we'll have a final score from Richie soon. Until Wednesday night, Southern Sports Central, this is Eugene. On behalf of myself and Richie, take care, guys.
Hey, Jay. 